2: Uh, Upstate New York, very country type setting. The house is on a road that's about seven miles, eight miles long, connects two other back roads. It was kind of stone road up until about 15 years ago, and they just started recently paving it. There's only about five houses on that street, and it would take About 25 minutes to be able to walk to your neighbor, 30 minutes. It's all surrounded by woods and field. I have 192 acres out there. 50 of them are woods, and the rest of them are cornfields and other uh, farmland that I've rented out to the farmers that live in the area in exchange for a quarter cow or a half a pig and money on an annual basis as well as uh, I can still hunt that land. The house is about 40 feet away from the road and uh, all around me on the right and left and back side is all pretty thick woods and uh, across the street is all very thick woods and, and fields. It's very quiet at night and it would take a long time to be able to get to somebody if someone really needed some help, pretty much out there alone. This was the beginning of February, a few weeks ago, it was February 2nd, 2018, and uh that was definitely the day that had changed my life. I had got up in the morning and kissed my family goodbye and went to work like I normally do around 5 a.m. I uh, had gotten a few phone calls throughout the day from my wife, and she stays home with our newborn. And I had gotten a few calls from her, and she had said, we have some cows, some livestock, about 12 of them. And she had called me, and she had been concerned. And She had said, hey, uh, do you know that all of the cows are huddled up in the corner, closest to the house, away from the wood line, and they've been there all day. They won't eat, they won't move, or anything. And I didn't pay any mind to it. I was really busy at work, and I said, you know, don't worry about it. I'll check it out later. I'm, I'm busy right now. And I just kind of figured, all right, well, maybe, you know, coyotes are out there messing with them again. I'll handle them later on. They are quite a nuisance around where we are. So I just had assumed at the time that that's what it was, because that's what I'm familiar with. So I didn't pay any mind to that. And uh I get another phone call right before I had left work. And uh it was my wife calling me back, and she had said, I'm not able to let the dog out. Maya won't go outside. I'm having to drag her outside by her collar to go pee. She doesn't want to go out, and uh, I'm not sure what's going on with her. And I said, "Okay," I said, "I'm almost home. You know, I'll deal with it when I get home." Now I'm thinking that this is pretty strange now because the animals know most of the time a lot more than you know we know, and I'm thinking to myself, "Well, why the- Cows all bundled up in the corner there. Now the dog won't go outside. You know, what's going on here? So now I'm a little bit concerned, but it's not a big deal at the moment. So I'm pulling up here, and on the left side, of the cornfield's there across the street. And I just get past the hedgerow where it starts to open up on the right, where my lawn is. And we've got about six acres of mowed grass around our house, and the rest is fields and woods. And I see the cows. And they're scrunched up in like a 20 by 20 foot area in the closest corner of their fenced in plot. And I'm thinking to myself, what is this? And I've never seen them do this before. I mean, they were almost on top of each other, Vic. They were climbing up and trying to get closer and closer, huddled up into the corner. And they had popped the breaker because they kept pushing into the fence, which is an electric fence, and they each had touched it so many times, I'm not sure what had happened, but they didn't care about it. They had actually popped the breaker so there was no electricity running through the fence anymore. It may have popped a line or a wire somewhere, I'm not sure. But I could see that they were scared of something. Something was going on, and at that point I'm thinking, wow, there must be a big pack out here, I'm going to have to deal with this. So I'm looking at them scrunching in 12 full grown cows here in about a 20 by 20 foot circle. And I'm like, okay, definitely coyotes. So I parked and I get out, I get my work stuff, and I go to walk inside. I'm walking up the front driveway, and it's dusk now. And I'm walking up, and I'll tell you, I hear the most deep but raspy, gurgly, almost scream howl. And it literally sent chills down my spine. The hair stood up on the back of my neck. And I thought, what the f- was that? And I've been in the woods since I was a kid. I've hunted and fished since I was a kid. And I've never heard anything like this. But again, going by what I know, I thought, okay, some type of coyote was attacked or some type of animal out there. Something's going on. Now, although the DEC says there's no mountain lions in our area, I know that there is. So I'm thinking, well, even though I haven't seen a mountain lion, I know that there has been some sightings around the area very rarely. But I figured, well, maybe that's it. But something still is different because I'd even heard them on YouTube, and I know that that wasn't it. So I get inside, and my wife's jabbering a mile a minute about everything she dealt with today. And uh outside the phone calls that she had told me when I had left in the early morning, She said that she had heard scratching at the window, a real deep scratching noise on the side of the house, not like a branch type of scratch. And I said, what do you mean? I don't understand. And she said, come look at this. So she walks me outside and I see deep scratches in the siding. There's four lines. The one on the left is the lightest. And then the one to the right of that was pretty deep. The one next to that was very deep. And the one all the way to the right was fairly deep as well. And I'm looking at this thing, and I'm like, what the was this? And I'm thinking to myself, what could have done that? And I'm looking around. There's no branches that would have done anything like that. And I said, did you bang into the house with anything? Did you move something up onto the deck? Because I built a big deck that wraps around most of the house. And I said, did you move some of the chairs or, or lawn stuff? And she said, no. She said, I heard this, and I had come out a little while after to see it. So I said, okay, I, I don't know what this is. And as we're discussing this, and I'm seeing that it's really bad, we hear as we're walking back in this howl again, this deep, gurgly type of scream. And it just shook me to my core. And I saw my wife's eyes get huge. We exchanged glances and I said, did you hear that? And she said, yeah. And I said, what the hell is that? She said to me, I, I'm not sure. And she goes, you would know better than I would. And I said, I have absolutely no clue, honey. I've never heard that noise before. And we can see all the cattle in the corner. Now they're climbing up on top of each other as that noise is being projected towards us. They hear it as well. Now all these cows are jumping on top of each other. They're pushing and pushing and pushing in the corner. They're trying to get out of this fenced-in area. And I'm thinking, oh, God, now I'm going to have to fix this fence. They're going to bust it out. So I'm thinking maybe I should move them until I find out what exactly it is that's going on here. So we walk back into the house, and we're talking about this. And we get back in, and I'm sitting to try to think what I can do about this cattle, because I'm thinking, I don't want to lose all my cattle. So I load my shotgun up, and I call my neighbor, and I say, hey, Gene, I said, come on down. I said, let's go for a ride out back in the buggy. It's like a four-wheeler, razor-type thing. And I said, we'll come down and We'll see what we can do to take care of some of these coyote because they're a big problem out here. So he comes down. I explained to him a little bit about the situation. I say, you know, have you heard this noise at all around here? And he says, no. And And I sounded like a fool trying to explain to him that it sounded like a woman that had been smoking 30 cigarettes an hour for the last 65 years. But it was deep and it was raspy and like a woman screaming. It's it's difficult to explain and you know, he kinda looks at me like, Okay, you know, whatever. So we load up and I tell my wife, I say, We're going out back and we're gonna get rid of some of these coyote and she said, Okay, so we go out and what, what I normally do is with the coyote out here, I have a wireless call, which is a speaker box with a wireless remote. And you can hit different calls, which some are for an example here a dying rabbit or a squirrel or Whatever it may be that it brings them in, they hear that and it brings them in. And I have a spotlight that I put a red lens cover over because they can't see the color red. So we load all that stuff up. We throw it in the back and I'm explaining to them, I said, on the way out, these cows are doing this, they're doing that and I'm not sure what to do. So we get going down the road and it's about a, I don't know, probably not even a two minute ride down and it's dark out now. We get down a little ways and The dirt road's on the left and we go to turn down my dirt road here and we get turned down the dirt road and I'm looking at multiple groups of deer literally breaking out of the woods and running towards us. I mean, they're headed across the street. They're coming straight at us. This dirt road is about five to six foot wide. And then on each side of the road, there's about two foot of brush. And then right on the other side of that is the woods on both sides. So I'm looking, and they're not in the woods. They're right on the edges of the dirt road. And these deer are flying towards us. White flags flying, tails in the air. Something's going on. And they're going by us, maybe 10 feet on each each side of us here. They're not worried about us coming down in the buggy or anything. And I'm thinking to myself, "Do you, are you looking at this right now? Can you see this, Gene? And his just his mouth's kind of hanging open like that's just a strange thing to see, them coming right at us. And there was about three or four groups of two to four deer, about 25, 30 feet apart. And they're all just coming, flying at us. And I'm thinking, wow, there must be a big pack out here. We're really going to have to do some work. So we get going down the dirt road. The deer pass us. And I knew something was wrong. So I said, you know, if you see anything before we get down there on the way, I said, shoot what you see. And we get going about a half mile down the road, and I'm doing about 45 now down this dirt trail. And as we're getting in, we're about two miles or so into the woods now. And it's all woods around me. It's dark out. And I hear something smashing, like it's some type of rhino in the woods next to us. And I'm just buzzing along, and I'm thinking to myself, we've got no bears or moose in this area. And I said, what the hell is that? So I start to slow down, and I stop, and the buggy is just idling. And I get the worst feeling of my life, like somebody is watching me. Something is watching me right now, and I'm getting goosebumps everywhere. The hair stands up on the back of my neck, and Gene's voice is real shaky. And he says to me, we need to leave right now. Something's not right, and it is dead quiet. There's no sound, no animals, no nothing. And i kind of trying to keep my cool, even though I feel it, too. And it's intense, Vic. It's intense. And I said, don't get all scary on me here. We got firearms. Just relax. You know, thinking to myself, there's nothing in the woods here that I haven't seen in the past 30 years. No way. So we sit for another maybe 20 seconds, and I shut the buggy off now. So there's no more idle. And I hear this heavy, heavy breathing. And the trail is about roadside, like I said, Woodline on about six to eight feet of each side of us. And we're sitting about two miles in the woods now, complete darkness, just the lights on in front of the buggy. And I said, dude, do you hear that? And I reached over with my spotlight and I pull it up. I pulled the red lens cover off. And as I go over to shine this, and I said, point your gun over here, and he's got it up. Now, what I'm about to tell you here is is where everybody has put me down and I feel has ruined my reputation for being honest and true in every sense. But that doesn't embarrass me because we know what we saw. Now... I pulled that spotlight out thick and I scanned the first few feet heading into the woods. And I got to the general area where I heard that breathing. Now, this is a million candlelight spotlight and, uh, it's, it's very bright. It's got like an eight or ten inch head on it and it's got the trigger on it. You hold up and I get to the general, general area where I had heard that heavy breathing and I look in and See some type of hairy animal, and I could see that it's got its arm around a tree a little bit. And I'm thinking to myself, "Whoa, what the was f- that?" And its head on the back looked like I could see ears, pointy ears that looked like some type of daggers, about eight inches, maybe ten inches, on the top of its head. And as I am shining the light, I I hit the top and I I see like this, whatever this thing is, it turns and steps away a little bit from the tree. And I can't believe what I'm seeing. This thing had a snout like the most stereotypical werewolf. That's all I thought. This is a werewolf. But my brain isn't working properly because I'm thinking to myself, this isn't real. There's no way that I'm, I'm seeing this creature here. This looks like, if you've ever seen the Mutant Van Helsing, it looks like that exact werewolf, almost 98% s- similar, okay? And now I can hear my heartbeat in my ears. It is all quiet around us other than this breathing from this creature I'm looking at, and I'm just completely shook to my core. I've never seen anything like this in my life. This isn't supposed to be real. This isn't a real creature. There's no way that I'm looking at this. I'm staring at this thing, not knowing how much time has gone by. And it turns a little more, and I see its eyes. Now, its eyes were like a bright if you held a corona up to the sunlight, that's what this thing's eyes looked like—like like a goldish amber color. And it turns, and I see its its snout. It looks like a dog snout, but it's got a massive head. And I'm talking—I can see its its arm a little bit, but just its its hand. And I'm I'm trying to rack through my brain, and I'm seeing all of these things. Kind of at once and, and they're not making any sense to me. It's got a huge head. The hair on it is, is like this short kind of, it's not shaggy. I could almost see its skin uh, underneath, but I, I'm noticing that this thing's got bright gold eyes, pointy dog ears and a, and a, a snout like a, like some type of canine creature. That's when I, I'm trying to process all this, and it seemed like 20 minutes. I don't know exactly how long it was, but all of a sudden, Gene screamed real loud, and that scared me even more. And at that point, that broke the silence, and this thing stepped away from the tree it was up against, and I couldn't believe what I saw. This thing... It was making some type of cracking noise. Like if you had 15, 20 people together cracking their knuckles in a microphone on a loudspeaker and bones were breaking inside of somebody's body. This thing stands up on two legs, Vic. It's back legs. It has haunches like a dog. Okay. This thing is almost eight foot, nine foot tall. This thing is so big. At 15, maybe 18 feet away, I could see this thing clear as day. There was no question. My spotlight is on this thing, and it's fully charged, brighter than ever. I just I couldn't believe what I'm seeing. Its chest looked like some type of world record bodybuilder. This thing was jacked. Its arms from the shoulder to the elbow looked like a normal length. But the length from the elbow to the wrist were extra long, almost twice as long as the top part. It had hands, Vic. This thing had five fingers with nails on them, sharp nails. It looked like black knives on the tip of its fingers, a couple inches long. It just had these big hands. And it's not processing with me. I didn't understand what it is that I'm looking at here. I can see it's jacked. It's massive chest, huge arms. I mean, ripped. It's got abs like some 30-year-old at a gym. Its waist seemed to be fitting, I guess you could say. It was smaller. And its legs were pretty jacked, but they were skinny. And it had its legs bent backwards like a dog. But I'm so confused, I'm looking at the werewolf thing and it's standing up on two legs. There's no way. There's absolutely no way. And the cracking sound that I'm hearing when this thing stood all the way up, I I didn't understand what's making that noise. And I know it wasn't branches breaking because I heard the branches breaking on the way down. And as this thing is breathing heavily, which I'm assuming it's breathing heavily because of it keeping up with us in the woods at 40 miles an hour going down next to us, just smashing through things. And I'm not talking twigs and and sticks here. These are big branches. This thing is just barreling through. So he screamed, I'm taking the inventory of what it is that I'm looking at here, and I am just completely blown away. The most fearful I have ever been in my entire life. It just, I I thought I'm in a nightmare. I tried to close my eyes and shake my head and wake up, and, and it was still there. It was real. And I'm thinking to myself, What's my next move? There's no way that this is happening. I can't understand or fathom or process what this creature is that I'm looking at. So Jean screams, I'm looking at this thing, and... Point, uh, I didn't even know what to do. I was stuck. So it stands up and I see its arms hanging down in front of it, and it. (sighs) I just didn't know what to do at that point. And the only thing that broke the silence at that point was that scream, and Gene fires three shots in a row at this thing. Now, this is a Remington 875 shot pump okay, high brass slugs, he's shooting out of this thing at 15 to 18 feet away. He fires the first one, and at this point, my ears are ringing because he's right next to me. We're in somewhat of an enclosed vehicle, but I got the spotlight on this creature still, and I see this first bullet hit its chest. It rips the whole right side pectoral muscle almost off of this thing. I can see it rip the skin. I can see the blood. This thing is real. It It is a creature. It does bleed. I can see that the whole right pectoral muscle was completely almost torn off of its body. Pieces were hanging down. And this thing lets out a scream, and at that point, he had fired two more shots right away afterwards, but this thing was fast, Vic. This thing was real fast. So the three shots in a row... After the first bullet hits his chest and rips the skin and the pectoral muscle, this thing jumped, okay? No exaggeration. This thing jumped clear 15 feet up into the tree, okay, and almost 30 feet across the dirt road into the other side of the woods. As it goes across, okay, I can see from what little moonlight that we have. Now, the buggy lights are on in the front. But I couldn't, I didn't move my spotlight with the creature because he did it so fast. But as it gets and jumps across the the way here right in front of us, I can get a good look at this thing all the way compared to other things around it now. And I see that this is a dog head with a bodybuilder's chest, arms. I mean, this thing is, is huge. It's eight or nine foot plus now that I can compare it to the things around it. I just I couldn't believe it. It looked it looked pretend. It looked like um I, I can't even explain. I'm so terrified at this point. I didn't know what to do, but the shotgun and him jumping completely broke me out of this trance that I was in of being a complete fool and sitting there not knowing what to do next. So I start the buggy up, I crank the wheels all the way to the left, the back tires are spinning, throwing dirt behind me. This thing is to the floor. I get it spun right around, and I'm headed to the road, and I'm screaming, Gene, what the was that? And he's screaming, my gun's jammed, my gun's jammed. And I'm looking over at the shotgun, and I'm looking forward, looking over at the shotgun, looking forward, and I'm screaming at him to hurry up, hurry up, get it loaded, get it loaded. I don't know where this thing is. I don't know when it's coming back. I'm trying to reach down for my pistol. And I'm reaching, but it's bouncing around on the floor somewhere because this dirt road's got little stones in it and it's bumps and the water knocked out out of a bunch of the dirt. So there's divots everywhere. There's mud holes as you get down into there. And we're two miles. We're two miles into the woods now. And it's dark. There's nothing else around us. We are, and in my perspective, we're a long way from home. And the gun that he has next to him is jammed. And I'm not sure what our next move is, the only thing I could do was keep my foot on that gas. I see Gene look up, and he looks by me. Man. I look to the left side where he's looking out my window on the driver's side, and I'm doing about 50 at this point, Vic. I look out the left-hand side next to us, about two foot next to me, I see this creature. It's running right next to us. This thing is on two legs, running directly next to us, on its back haunches like a dog. Its arms are hanging in front of it like it's going to tackle something, like it's about to fall. But it's got its arms in front of us hanging down and it's running next to me. I can hear its feet hitting the ground, even with this vehicle that we're in to the floor. I can hear it boom, 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 boom. Just taking big strides right next to us. And it's got its head down a little ways. Now this buggy is about five and a half foot tall. This thing is hunched over, almost leaning forward like it's gonna fall. But it wasn't. I could see now all the little teeny creases of its muscles that are in its body, on its body. I could see the hairs were blackish gray and they were thin enough to be able to see that it did have skin underneath and this thing was so ripped. I see its abs contracting and getting loose again as it breathes running next to me. I can see its muscles get tight in its legs because they're right where my face is. I look out and look back And I am completely terrified at this point. I I don't, I can't even make a sound. I can't scream or or even, I can't get any words out. I I can't believe that this thing's running next to us at a full sprint. I mean, I, I don't personally know if it was at a full sprint, but I had this thing to the floor and it was standing right next to us. Leaning down, looking into the window, I see its eyes. And again, there are these, Amber-colored-looking eyes. And I was I was more terrified than I could ever dream of in my life. And I'm trying to get this thing moving as quick as possible. Gene's just... And Gene's staring at this thing. And all the color drained right out of his face. I'm sure mine did as well. And I'm, I'm just looking forward, looking over. I'm hoping that he loads this thing up. I've got one arm on the steering wheel and one hand down now, trying to find... What it is that's going on and I crank the wheel to the right to try to move further away from this thing. Vic, this thing puts its arm out. Now I can see its hand, clear daylight, so to speak, with the front two lights of the buggy shining straight on this thing. Its hand is massive. It has five fingers and these black long sharp nails. It's got its hand, puts it right on the driver's side light. And I feel the buggy starting to slow down. And I'm thinking to myself, no way. This thing had the intelligence to put its hand in front of the vehicle, put it on the vehicle I was in, and put its hand on the light. And I remember looking forward, and I could see the light completely cut off the whole left side of the trail. Because the only thing that we've got for light right now is the two front lights pointing forward, and it is dark as hell. So I see this hand in front of me holding his back. I feel the buggy slowing down. And I look back over at him. And as I can see it, he's looking in. And I see his teeth. They are so sharp, unlike a dog's that would be rounded at the end. These are sharp. And I'm talking serious sharp. I can hear them. He's chomping down repetitively. Boom, 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 boom. And I can see that. Every time he chomps down, I can hear it next to me. Boom, boom, boom. And I'm looking over at him, looking forward, looking over, looking forward. He's got his hand on the front. This vehicle's slowing down. I got it all the way to the floor. I could feel the vehicle slow, and I could hear the weight and the strain on the motor as I'm trying to push forward. This thing's maybe 150 horsepower. It's not much. But I can feel it slowing down, and I'm getting real scared now. And I see this thing. And this sounds, this sounds insane. This creature, as it's looking inside of the vehicle, with its hand on my vehicle, both of us are in there, slowing down. I thought, this is it. We're done. It smiles. Its lips curl up on the side and it smiles. And I am just in complete fear, shook to my core. I have absolutely no clue what to do. I felt like it had taken everything from me that I've ever known to be good and true. And it had completely smashed it to the ground. This thing's aura, its whole demeanor. It was just the most evil thing I've ever felt in my life. It projected this level of being emotionally distraught and just, completely terrified, worse than if it was the end of the world or you'd lost your entire family or or anything. It was, I don't understand how it was able to make me feel that way, but it was beyond fright. It was beyond being terrified. It completely drained my soul. This thing was beyond evil. And I see this smile. And I mean, at this point, there's nothing I'm not going to believe because I'm where I am right now. Everything starts flashing through my head. This is the end of my life. I have memories that I want to create with my family. What about the last person that I argued with? I, <laughs> I didn't get to even apologize to them. I don't want to end like this. I have goals that I want to achieve. I want to try to be the best version of myself. I have character flaws, as everyone else does, that I need to work on. I have things that I regret that I wish I would have done differently, experiences that I wish I would have taken advantage of, and I'm thinking to myself, my whole life is literally flashing in my head, boom, 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 different things. And when they say your life flashes before your eyes, it really does. And I wasn't able to Even do anything. It's just I'm I'm looking forward, trying to drive, looking at this creature, and I didn't know what else I was supposed to do. I'm thinking about my baby girl, and I'm thinking about my wife, and what what's going to happen? How are they going to find me? How are they going to provide my my daughter and my wife have to grow up without anybody around? What's the story that's going to be told? Accident in the woods vehicle accident i know it's not going to say huge freaking wolf man attacks guys in woods we both know it's not going to say that so i'm racking my brain here and i am completely distraught and all of a sudden i hear boom and at the same time i see gene has the shotgun pointed in front of my face now we're sitting side by side going forward towards the road in the woods he reaches to his left and points the gun the barrel's directly in front of me but I'm looking forward so it's about to shoot to the left where this creature is and as soon as he pulled it up I see this thing disappear out from next to me and he still fires but he had missed it my ears are ringing I see this thing just he's gone How does this creature have the intelligence to be able to completely stop? That It saw that that gun was pulled up. It knows what it did to it. I could see it ripped up, its chest ripped up again when it was running next to us. It knows what the consequences are from the end of that barrel. Because just prior, it had felt that. It knows. And when that firearm got held up, This thing let go of the front of the vehicle. I felt the strain and the load be taken off the motor. We speed back up, and this thing's gone. And I'm like, wow, how did it realize that that's what was going on? Now, I don't know how much time had gone by. It felt like about two hours. So now, as we're getting down the road, I'm thinking to myself, this thing's just smirked at me like an almost taunting type of deal. It was about to stop our buggy completely it, it, it reaches out with man's hands with claws I and mean, what is all this i'm 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 out of control trying to think of everything but i'm glad that it's not next to me anymore but i'm still terrified because i have no clue where this thing is i hear it now crashing into the woods next to us again the same sound i heard as we were coming in and this thing is just boom 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 blasting through all these woods next to us through branches through everything I, I just like, okay, next time he comes in, we're going to get hit and we're going to get hit hard. And all I could do is keep it to the floor, but it stays in the woods over there for the next maybe 12 seconds. It didn't come back out yet. And I'm like, well, dude, we're not going to make it to the road. And all I'm saying to Gene is when well, that thing comes back out, hit it again, hit it again, hit it again. And he's got a gun out the window aiming it out there. I'm driving forward and we hit the road. It seemed like it was forever, but we finally hit the road. I didn't slow down. I hit that road. I cranked the wheel all the way to the right. The back tires slid off the gravel and onto the road. Tires are squealing, and then I see it. It tried to flank us. It tried to jump out right there at the edge of the woods and cut us off, or so I thought that's what it tried to do. But I get to turning. I slid. We lost speed sliding onto the road, but I still got it to the floor. Gene, I can feel him lean over onto me because of the G-force from, from turning it at 40 miles an hour, you know, skidding onto the road. This thing jumps clear, easy, another 20, 25 foot out of the woods, onto the side of the road where the ditch is, and now it's behind us. And we're going down the road, and Gene's got the gun pointed back to it, and he's not, he's not shooting anymore, though. And as soon as he gets the gun pointed, when we straighten the vehicle out, he's got the firearm pointed down back behind us where this thing's standing. And it kind of leans down a little bit, and I see it go back down on all fours. And it's sitting there. It lets out this huge roar again, the same noise that I had heard numerous times with my wife earlier when we were in the woods and when I was by myself coming home prior to Gene and I going out in the woods when I had just walked in the house before my wife showed me the scratch. And all the cows went crazy. So we're getting down the road. Now, this thing, he sees the gun get pointed back out, goes down on all fours, and then launches back over into the woods, another 20, 25 foot. And now I can't see him because it's as dark as it is. I can still see the silhouette from down there, though. So it launches back into the woods. And we get back to the house. I pull in. I stop. And we sit in the vehicle for a second. I have the garage door opener in the uh, buggy, and I pull it into the garage door, and I'm staring behind me. And now I reach down, I grab my pistol, which is a 357 Magnum. It's a a five-shot revolver. It wouldn't have done anything to this creature. It got shot clear 18 feet away with a high brass slug from 12-gauge, and it just ripped its chest open. This thing didn't even care. It just pissed it off. So I've got my pistol, my hand shaking, and I've got this thing pointed out in the back. And I see Gene's got the shotgun on his side pointed out towards the back. And we watch as the garage door slowly closes. I'm waiting to see this thing's feet just show up and rip the door off. And the spot between where the door closes and the concrete's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And I'm thinking, okay, I don't see it yet. I don't see it yet. And we sit there. Finally closes all the way. Now I'm thinking, I've got to get inside. My family's inside. So we shut the buggy off. I open the door. I look outside. I don't see it. I don't hear it. So we get going back in and I get inside and I'm looking at Gene. We're not saying anything at first. And I pop the door open and I, I said, uh, Hey, I said, uh, we're back. And I, I didn't, I didn't know what else to say. I didn't want to say anything running inside the house like a crazed lunatic trying to explain that we were just attacked by a werewolf that and my wife's going to tell me to stop drinking. You're an idiot. I wasn't able to even explain anything, and nor did I want to, because I'm gonna put the fear in my family. Two girls in the house? No, I can't do that. But I did want to check to see where they were. And they were in the living room. And I said, Can you go upstairs for a minute? I want to come up and talk to you. Grab Gianna and go up there. I I have something that I want to discuss with you, but I want you to go up there real quick. Gene and I'll be up in a minute. And uh I closed the door and I come back out into the woodroom and I'm sitting back there and I look at Gene and I said, "Dude, what the was that thing?" And he said, "Brandon, I, I don't know. That's not supposed to be real." I said, "That that was that was a werewolf." And he said, that, "That's I've never seen anything like that in my life." And he's the one that had said it looked like the werewolf from Van Helsing. And I that's when it clicked in my head and immediately I was like, "Yeah, you're right. It did." That's the only thing that I could compare it to that I've ever seen, and it's only been in a movie. So how is this thing over here? I've never seen this thing before. I've been in the woods since I've been old enough to squeeze the trigger. I've never seen anything like this. Now, my heartbeat's slowing down. I'm kind of gaining some type of sanity back, trying to think about what this thing could have been, and nothing other than, I mean, a stereotypical werewolf from a movie. So now I'm in fear that this thing's gonna come into my house because it's got my scent, it's pissed. Gene blew its whole right pectoral muscle clean off its body, it's bleeding, it's mad. I don't know what's supposed to happen next. I'm trying to think, did we piss it off? I do remember I'm trying to think if we pissed it off originally from coming in and, and all the deer running out, it was I took its food away or something. I would imagine that it eats deer. I love venison, why wouldn't something else? I mean let's be real here. I couldn't believe what I had just seen, and I didn't really know what else to say to Gene. All I said was, please don't say anything after we had discussed what had happened and and details of the thing, so we could both kind of recap on what it was that we saw. I kind of said, please don't say anything to Carissa. Please don't say anything yet until we can figure out what's going on here. And I said, I'm going to go inside, and he said, I need to get back to my house right now. And I said, Okay, I understand. Please give me a call when you get home. I mean, we only talked for about fifteen minutes and just going over what we had seen and it was a very difficult conversation because it's not supposed to be real. And we both we both just were completely stunned that this creature was physically standing in front of us and it had done what it had done. And the level of intelligence of this thing was beyond any tree any creature that I've ever seen. I mean this was smarter than, than some humans that I associate with. It was intense. So I said, please call me when you get home. Well, I know that you made it home. I need to go inside and figure out what I'm going to do. And I said, please, again, please don't say anything to my wife. And he said, I won't if you don't. So I said, okay. He said, I said, let's meet up tomorrow. Call me when you get home. So he leaves. He calls me and says I made it home. He's only about two and a half, three miles up the street. He gets home, okay, no issues. I go upstairs, and she goes, so what the f- was that? And I didn't want to tell her at first, which I have since then. I said, this is a uh, coyote issue out there and some type of dog thing. And I didn't want to lie to her, but I didn't want to put the fear of God in her as I was feeling. I would never want anybody that I care about to feel the way I was feeling. No way. It took the trust away that I had from going into the woods. I don't want anybody else to lose that love they have for being able to enjoy the outdoors. That's a terrible thing. So I said to her, It was uh an issue with some dogs and she goes, What do you mean what kind of dogs? Coyotes? And I said, Yeah, something like that. And uh I didn't sleep that night and I didn't say much to my wife. But as uh as I get up the next day and kinda of get things back together I, I said um uh, I finally sat down with her and, and I told her, she goes, what's going on with you? You are you're not sleeping. You're not paying attention to things. You're not doing the things that you normally do. And you haven't, you know, gone to work today. I told her I didn't feel good in the morning. I didn't go to work. I hadn't slept anything. I said, uh, you know, I'm not going to work today. I'm, I'm calling in. I just, I don't feel right. And uh I wasn't excited to get up and help cook. And, and I wasn't playing around tinkering around with stuff and going to get the firewood and loading up in the wood stove or anything like that. I mean, I spend most of the summer cutting and splitting firewood to keep my family warm.
1: Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
0: It's true that some things change as we get older, but if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.
2: You know, and I'm excited to be able to say that I'm the one that had done that work to be able to keep the family warm. You know, I like to be that type of man. I like to be able to do the work See the difference I've made, you know, fixing the house, doing anything, electrical, windows, siding, painting even, any type of remodeling stuff. I like to know that I did that. I fixed this for my family. I kept my family warm and did this. I fed my family with the, the squirrel or the rabbit or the deer or whatever it may be or the fish that I caught, anything. So I, didn't, I wasn't even doing any of that. That's my ritual to get up and throw wood in the wood stove. And she said, Something's going on with you. You need to tell me the truth. What did you see in those woods the other night? And I said, Okay, you're not going to believe this. And I sat down and I went through what I had told her, just as I had told you. And it scared her. I left out some details. That's for sure. But I explained to her what it was. And I said, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't want you going outside. I don't know what to do yet. And she said, You need to call the police. And I said, honey, the police aren't going to do anything. They're going to look at me like I'm an idiot. They're going to tell me to lay off the the weed or something. They're going to tell me to lay off the drinks. I don't know what they're going to say. So finally, a little more time went by, and I thought, you know what? I am going to call the police. I'm going to go through, and I'm just going to let them know I've got something in the woods, some type of rabid dog. I think that's what I'll go with, I said. So I call them up. And I say, this is what's going on, to at least get him to come out. So Kewa County Sheriff shows up. It's a small town, so I know him personally. He shows up. I explain to him, you know, this is what's going on. He comes over with a couple of DEC officers. They pull in the driveway. I say, uh, hey, how you doing? And he goes, not much, Brandon. I mean, like I said, small town, first name basis. He said, what exactly is going on? And I said, can I talk to you privately for a minute, please? And he said, of course. And uh, he told the DEC guys who I've never met or seen before, you know, hang out there for a minute. And I pulled him aside and I said, listen, I had an incident with Gino the other night. And uh I sat down and explained to him. And I said, what I'm about to tell you, you got to promise me that you actually look into it and you believe me. And my reputation of uh, not a big drinker i uh stay away from any of that type of stuff really i don't mind a few beers once in a while nothing wrong with that but uh i like to stay in control i like to know what's going on around me and uh i've built my reputation on being able to be heard and and understood and believed and uh, this was just completely out of character for me to be able to explain but i did and as i'm explaining to him what It was, he believed everything and he was straightforward with me, and I was straightforward with him. And everything was fine up until the point when I started explaining what this creature looked like. And I saw the blood drain out of his face just like I did Jeans that night when we shined the spotlight on him. And as he's writing notes about what it is that took place, he stopped. And he went from comfortable to uncomfortable. And I mean real quick, Vic. He closed his little book and he looked at me and he said, Are you sure that's what you saw? And I said, I'm 100% positive. And he goes, uh, all right, sit tight. And he goes back to his vehicle, and he makes a phone call. And uh, he comes back, and he says, uh, I think we can have this dealt with. He said, um, I'm going to come back tomorrow, and uh, we'll do something a little bit further on this. And I said, what's going to happen? You know, what do, how are we going to deal with this? And he said, I'm not sure. And it looked like he had known what it was that was going on because he obviously was familiar with a scenario that's similar to this. He called somebody, you know, I could see a look in his face, but he was terrified as well. Maybe he was reliving a situation that he got into, an encounter he got into. I don't know. I can only speculate on what was going through his head, but I knew that he was familiar with what it was that I had spoke to him. So he makes the phone call. Fast forward to the next day here, nothing else happened that night. I do not hear any more screams, nothing. Now, we get to the next day here, and uh, the sheriff pops back over. Now, he's got this van or big enclosed truck thing with him, all black, and he's got this guy with him. He pulls in in front. The other vehicle, this big bulky looking thing, pulls in behind him. And I see him on the cameras because I got cameras all around the house. And when you pull in the driveway, it's got sensors on each side so that you can hear the ding inside the house and know that someone's pulling in the driveway. And I see the cameras. I see these vehicles. And I'm like, okay, they're here back again to deal with this incident. I'm like, perfect. I said, I'll be back in, honey. I'm going to go handle this. So I go out. He comes out and says, uh, hey, this is uh so-and-so. I don't even remember at the time. I was just completely distraught because his outfit looked like some type of military uniform or or some type of military unit. But I'd never seen any of the badges on there. There wasn't any writing. It was just this weird symbol of a a badge on there. It wasn't anything that I was familiar with. And uh, I shook his hand and he said, you're Brandon? I said, yeah. And uh, he goes, run by me again, exactly what had happened. So I took a couple minutes and uh I explained to him in general what it was that was going on. At that point, I can see he's got a pistol on his hip. And at that point, he motions over this wave or whatever and I look over Now five more of the same type of people, the same type of outfits gets out of this black van truck thing. Now as they get out, They all have pistols on, and they have these strapped, what looks like some type of smaller machine gun, SMG, maybe even fully automatic firearm hanging around their neck. And, I mean, these guys are some type of professionals here, some type of government professionals. I've never seen anything like this in my life, and I'm very familiar with all the military outfits and uniforms. I've never seen this. So they come out, and they come up, and he goes back over and talks to them, and now my wife's coming out, and she's going, what the hell is this? What is going on? and i said go back inside for a minute i'm not sure yet and i talked to the sheriff and i said what's go- what's going on here i said where is this and he goes they'll they'll handle it they know what to do and i'm thinking to myself okay i've got a lot of questions right now i don't know who these people are what's going to go on are they going on a hunt for this thing right now that's all i can think of they're strapped up like they're going to world war 3 you know so they come back over he said something to them quick there i don't know what it was and uh They come back over, and he has me explain the area where they went, excuse me, where I went, down into the woods, and as they start heading over that way, I see them, they have one of them has this, it looks like a satellite disc with a smaller satellite disc in the middle. The wider one's about a foot and a half long. The other one... That's inside of that one. The other cone part is only about five, maybe four inches long. So I'm looking at this thing and I'm thinking, what is that little device? Maybe a loudspeaker or something. What are they going to do? Yell for this thing in the woods or maybe they're going to yell to each other. I don't know. But as soon as he puts it out in front of him, I'm in the middle of a conversation that I can't even tell you what it was about at the moment now that I come back and think of it. But I, I was just so distracted because he points this thing out in front of him. It looks like a, it's got a hand grip and a trigger on it. And he hits this thing, and my dog, I've got a year-old pit bull, about 90-pound, big girl, Maya. Very healthy, never had any problems with her, spent a lot of time with her in and out of the woods. She's trained like you wouldn't believe, never have any issues. I look over, and I see her quizzed up in a ball, shaking like she's having a seizure. I don't know what's going on with her. She's whimpering and crying and screaming. She can't even get up. And I'm thinking, hey, whoa, 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 what's going on here? What, what? Why is my dog doing this? And as soon as I had yelled over to that, they had this thing sticking out in front of them, pointing towards the woods. They put it back down. And as soon as they put that device back down, Maya stood up. She stopped doing the seizure thing and crying, and she came right over to me and sat next to me. She was scared, nervous. I didn't know what happened. I'm sure she didn't know what the f- happened to her. And I'm yelling over, hey, what what was that? What is that thing? What are you guys doing right now? And he said, we'll be back up shortly to have a conversation with you in a minute. And I'm looking over at the sheriff, and I'm shaking my head with wide eyes like, what the f- is going on here, man? What, what was this? Did you just see what this did to my dog? So they go out, and they come back a couple hours later, maybe two, two to three and a half hours later. Now, the sheriff's gone at this point. He told me basically that I was in good hands and they'll take care of it. But he never really discusses anything or reveals any information about this creature that he's familiar with or or anything. It's kind of a quick high and bye. I'm handing this off to them. Now, these got to be some type of government people because I've never seen this outfit, as I said before. And they had some type of devices and, and things that I've never, I'm not familiar with. It did something, some type of sound wave or some type of energy that came out of that thing that put my dog into a mess. I didn't hear it, and I didn't feel it. It must be something only that animals or dogs can hear. I'm not sure. I'm speculating on that. So they come back about two and a half, three hours later, and uh, they knock on the door. I see them walking back up in the cameras because originally when they had gone to leave, they jumped back in the vehicle. After they pointed that thing out into the woods, they went back in the vehicle, and they drove it down the dirt road. So they come back. I see them pulling back up, and I said, uh, so what's going on here? What did we figure out, guys? And the other four are over in the woods. they got a couple bags with them, I see, too. So they're over near their van, and I'm talking to this guy, and I said, well, what outfit are you guys with? And he ignored my question, and he said, i got to ask you a couple questions. And I said okay. So we ran through some things, and a couple of these questions that he asked were, "Did you take any pictures that day?" And I said no. It was the middle of the night, pretty much. It was eight thirty, nine thirty at night. And he said, "Are you sure?" And I said, "Yes, I am." And he goes, "Okay." And uh, before he had left, he had asked about the deer cams and things before they had went in the woods, and I told him that I got about thirty out there. And uh, he goes, "Okay." So we went through a conversation of asking if I had what I had come to realize any physical proof of this creature, which he obviously didn't want me to have. And, you know, I'm no dummy here. I could see that they were looking to see if there was any type of proof of anything and they wanted it in their possession. Now, come to find out. They go to leave. They say that they'll talk to me, you know, shortly. We'll make sure that we get in contact with you. As for right now, you should be all set. And I said, what does that mean, all set? I have a lot of questions here. I need to know what it is that's going on, and I need to know right now. I'm concerned about my well-being, my family's well-being, and all of my free time (laughs) is spent in the woods. I I can't even go back in there right now unless I know what it is that's going on. I I don't know. High-powered rifles, pistols, and shotguns. Black powder. That's all I got in the gun safe. I don't know what I'm supposed to do to keep myself safe to go out there. You know, I need some answers. And he said, we need to look a little further into this and we'll get back in touch with you. For right now, you're all right. Just sit tight. And I said, okay, I don't know what that means, but I'm trying to get more out of him. He won't give it to me. So he goes to leave. As he leaves, I'm trying to look at the license plate. I'm trying to see if I got it on camera. I can't see the license plate. It has some tent thing. There is a license plate. It is a New York license plate, and I can't make it out. I tried to look on the cameras. Couldn't make it out. I want to know who these guys are and what it is that's going on. They're obviously on my team, but they're hiding something because to ask if I had anything, if I have this, I have that, you know, they want a possession of it. So next couple days, I get the courage to go out. And I end up going out there all strapped up like some type of army vet. I get out there and there's a couple of the deer cams that I've got next to the edge of the woods. Now I can see the dogs going back outside. I can see over the next day that the cows are back up next to the edge of the woods. And I'm thinking, okay, I feel a little bit safer. And obviously daylight, because you can see what your surroundings are, you feel a little bit safer. It's important to always be aware of your surroundings, especially with (laughs) finding out that there's more creatures than you originally knew were on this planet. So I get out. There's a couple deer cams close to the line of the uh, edge of the field and the hedgerow, and I don't want to go too deep in there. I'm not ready for that yet. But I pop a couple of them open, and wouldn't you know it, all the SD cards are gone. Every one that I had checked on the edge of the woods. Now, I have to check the other 20-something, but I can bet you any amount of money, Okay, I'll bet you my favorite fishing pole that all them are gone to. There is no way that they said to me, do you have any deer cams? How many? And all of a sudden all the SD cards are gone? Let's get real here, guy. There's no way. So they're going to review all those, see if they captured anything. And I wish I would have known at the time because I would have pulled them. I don't know if I would have been able to get deep into the woods, get all those. But I would have pulled as many as I could to see what I had on there. Because it did come to mind, but they beat me to it. So I'm still waiting to hear back from them. And uh at this point in time, this was less than a month ago. It would be a month ago, March 2nd, which is coincidentally my birthday. But I'm hoping now that it's been a month that I haven't had any other issues. I haven't heard any of that screaming. The cattle is back to its normal routine throughout the day. And I'm hoping uh, that this will continue and I can continue to move forward with being able to gain my love back for the woods and lose a lot of this fear because that is my favorite place to be. But I'll tell you from what I saw last month, Anything is possible at this point. I like to remain open-minded and remain teachable. And that was a very humbling experience because I didn't realize that something like that would grow and something like that would actually exist. This thing was ready to take anything on, and it was bigger than any creature I've ever seen. It it was just beyond imaginable. And to think that I have my family there and I'm completely helpless, I thought about moving them. we got to get out of here, I'm thinking. And then I'm thinking to myself, there's no way that I'm going to let this thing push me away from my house. I've worked really hard to have what I have at 30 years old. There is no way I'm letting this thing beat me. But over the next week or so, I couldn't sleep well. I was not focusing on things. All I could keep thinking is I'm going to see this thing through my window one day and it's gonna blast through and it's gonna take my family. It's gonna I don't know what it's capable of. I have no clue what it's capable of. But whatever created this thing, I don't know what it was thinking. This thing is just a damaged machine. It is ready all the time to just go from zero to a hundred in full attack mode. I, I don't know. I don't know enough about it. But I know for sure that I definitely am not going to be going back in the woods anytime soon. And that's a sad thing because it's taken something from me, Vic. It's taken my ability to be comfortable and be able to enjoy the woods and share the outdoor experiences with my family and friends and ones that I care about. Be able to create memories with those friends and family that I care about. It's taken that away from me. And I'm really working hard to try to move forward with that so I can hopefully one day get that back. That's pretty much it. It was midsummer,
4: right around June 1979. I was 13 years old. And it was pretty much typically like any other day. During the off school hours or on the weekends, we would always make plans to go fishing. Not a lot of my friends were old enough, nor would their parents buy them a weapon. But my father was always, I'm going to get you your shotgun at 12 years old. We're going to go get your permit. You know, and he was part of a rod and gun club. You know, we're going to get your permit, and then next thing you know, you graduate to a 30-odd-six or a 35 or 32. Mine was a Remington. I remember that got shotgun well. So anyway, um it was typically an average day. You know, I mean, we had preplanned earlier that day to do some nighttime bullhead fishing, catfish, if you will, with two friends of mine. We'll call one John, and we wanted to meet on Bird Lake Road near this one particular streetlight at about, uh, we made plans for 10 o'clock throughout the course of the day. You got to do your chores and you're not done. You know what I mean? So it ended up being midnight. And so we all agreed upon that. And we get on our bikes and we ride down there. This particular time, none of us happened to ride our bikes (laughs) because it was relatively close to everybody's house. So we met in front of the mailbox and now to get people a frame of reference or to try to give them a good image in their mind. It was just after a rainstorm now to make people try to understand out in Burden Lake when it was cloudy and it was that late at night. Oh, for anybody who has any questions about why is a 13-year-old being up at 12 o'clock at night, back in that day, your parents really didn't have to keep an eye on you. (laughs) You know, it was way safer back then. And besides, I could carry a weapon and I knew my way around a weapon. So our parents were all good with that. And nighttime fishing was a common thing for kids back then. You know, you grab a Coleman lantern, you grab some lunch or you know something to eat in a small cooler. In this case, we didn't have a lot of money, so we knew, you know lunch bags, <laughs> peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, or bologna and cheese, and we would meet up and do our thing. And on this particular night, we met up at the mailboxes to divvy up the. Let's see earlier in the day, I, if I had a chance or my friends, we would go fishing for minnows, and we would use the minnows as bait. And if we caught sunfish or something like that, we'd cut them up and use the sunfish's bait because of bottom feeders, anything you stick on a hook that floats to the bottom that stinks really bad, <laughs> they're all over it. I mean, to them, that's like lunchtime. <laughs> so, uh, we would go bait fishing if we could throughout the course of the day, preparing for our fishing expedition, if you will, at night. So that's pretty much what happened. So we were underneath the streetlight and it was just after the rainstorm and now, I want you to understand after a rainstorm on Bird Lake, you know, everywhere else is its almost like different. You know what I mean? It's like Bird Lake is like a lost world. It's like another time, you know, after a rainstorm, even a semi cloudy day, night is like dark as ink. I mean, pitch black. But you could clearly see from one street light to the next. That's not a uncommon thing to look at when we're doing what we're doing. And so we're sitting down underneath the light and we're divvying up the bait, which. <laughs> John, if you're listening, <laughs> I called them all, you didn't. So we were divvying up the minnows and we we're deciding on where we were going to go. See, so at the time we lived near three lakes. Okay. First lake, second lake, third lake. And that's just the way they are. First and second lake are man-made. The third lake is not. That's a natural lake. And it's also the deepest lake, but that's besides the point. So we were divvying up the lures and or no, I'm sorry, the bait. And deciding, actually, if we're going to use jigs or not, you know what I mean? Because sometimes you like to jig in between, you know, bites on a – we always brought extra poles and stuff. So John looks over my shoulder, past me. Now, that wasn't really too unusual. But then he, like, points, and he's like, what's that? Now, fishing is the only thing on my mind right now. This is what I want to do. I mean, we went to school all week, so that's, like, working hard. (laughs) You know, so it's really – that's all on my mind. It's all it's on my mind. So when he said it again, you no, know, like, look, what's that? I got annoyed and I turned around. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> I'm just getting a little choked up here. Down at the next streetlight was the most impossible thing.
3: More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really?
1: Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
3: I never win and tell.
1: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com.
3: Play for free right
1: now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void representative prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: It was impossible. I mean, this is just, you know, this is something you... You only see in the movies. And it's, it's a, it's a freakish nightmare, you know, but there it is. I mean, you know, kids can be prone to flights of fancy, like I said earlier, but when it's standing right in front of you and in between these two streetlights is a good 150 yards. So that's roughly 300 feet. So we could see eagle eye clear and. At first, he saw it grab the rail, and we heard it when you're thinking back, because, you know, sights, the sounds, the smells, everything is prominent. You never really forget it. It's like a mom's baked bread. You never forget that smell. You know what I mean? It's like that. It's not something you forget. So he said first one hand and then the other. And I have to clarify now, they were not paws. They were hands. These had four fingers and a thumb, an opposable thumb. And what I saw when I turned around was it was already halfway out of the water. Or well, I presume the water, it, there's the dike right there and it was wet. You could see it. I mean, you could see the water dripping off of it. You could see the breath coming out of its mouth. I mean, it was just it, picture perfect. I mean, you just, you couldn't miss it. And, uh, yeah, you know, I guess there's that old saying, there's that primal fear, you know? When you're really afraid, you know, not fight or flight, this is primal fear. And so as it steps out of the lake, the other friend of mine, we'll call him Tom, he was like, holy, blank, blank. And that's when this thing heard him say that, and it snapped its head around and looked at us. And I got to tell you, I couldn't see its eyes, but man, you could feel it. You could just feel it. It was like... This thing gave off a, 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 I don't know, a a sense of, the only thing I could say is evil. I I just, I can't, projecting fear, but it didn't make any noise. And I don't remember seeing it like a tail or anything like that, but it was definitely dripping water. It was definitely wet. Its mouth was, was like a, like a German shepherd. And it, it had so many teeth in its mouth. You know, I remember thinking to myself, "How can it even close its mouth?" You know, I mean, the the and they were and you could see them. I mean, they were you could see them like like that. He just got done brushing them, bright white. Now, all of this may sound like you know half an hour, but this is a matter of seconds. I mean, like seconds. This is just instantaneous. And when and when he said that. And the thing snapped its head around and looked in our direction. It started walking toward us. So from the dike to the, the, the small hill we were sitting on, we were sitting in the road. So, you know, it's like it's, it's the old saying, if a sniper can see you or you can see a sniper, he can see you. the same thing. You know, if we could see it, it could see us. And it did. <clears throat> There's no question about that. And it walked off from underneath the streetlight into the darkness. Now, I, I hope you remember saying that in between these two streetlights, you couldn't see your hand in front of your face because it's like ink, black, but we could hear it. We could hear it so clear because it was so calm that night. You know, it's right after a rainstorm and it was so calm and everything was so, your senses, you know, they're in height, they're heightened because you can hear everything, smell everything, see everything in the, the exception of the inky blackness. And at first we could hear it just walking. We could hear its paws slapping. You know, or its feet, it couldn't tell you which ones they were because I was so busy looking at its face and its head, which was unusually large. And the breath coming out of its mouth, I mean, it was something right out of a Hollywood movie set. There's no, just, I mean, yeah. And we could hear this thing walking. And then all of a sudden you could hear the pace pick up. And now I don't know if anybody's familiar, with, you know, how you can, you, you can understand how a four-legged animal is walking. And how a two-legged animal is walking. I mean, I, I know everybody out there listening right now has had friends that get out of the water and run across the pavement. You could just tell that it's two feet, not four. And this wasn't a gallop. It was a trot. And then the pace started picking up. And that's when we were like, I mean, it was like somebody hit us with a bowling ball, ball. I went one way and my two friends went in completely opposite directions of each other and me. I chose to go up the road. Now being me being a kid that lives in the woods, breathes I breathe the outdoors at the time. I mean it was just that's what I was. Why I chose to go up the road, I I can't tell you, But I did. And I went up the road and there's another streetlight up Knob Hill Road, probably about same distance, you know, 150 yards. And as I got to that street light, I slowed down a little bit because I'm thinking to myself, I ran so hard and so fast I could hear my heart pounding, my breath, all these things running through my mind. And when I say that, I mean like it being the predator, me being the prey, that kind of thing. And I slowed down underneath the streetlight. And as I got to the streetlight, it was making the streetlight that we were just sitting under. As a matter of fact, it was standing right next to our tackle. And then it turned and it looked up at me up the road. And here I am, like a rabbit in the headlights, you know, standing underneath the streetlight. And it's looking right at me and it comes right up the road and I can hear it. So I'm saying to myself woods, hide, go now. And that's exactly what I did. And when I hit the woods, I I, I had a plan. I'm going to go through the woods. I'm going to go to this old man's house who at the time, I won't mention his name, but at the time he owned a kennel he slaughtered cows for a living and pigs, anybody who wanted their cattle slaughtered. And I was going to go there because that was the majority of the grouping of houses where I thought I might be safe. So I cut through the woods and did what I had to do and made it actually to his house. And he's got a hedgerow that separates his yard from the person next door to him. Well, I saw that hedgerow and like an Olympic swimmer, I put my hands out in front of my head and I dove into that hedgerow head first. And I sat in that hedgerow, Vic, for, uh, well, it seemed like hours, but I know it wasn't. And then this thing, this dog man werewolf however you want to turn it i don't know if i felt i felt like it was coming after me cuz i could hear it sniffing it, it it was at the hedgerow and i was so scared i mean i was i was terrified and i couldn't move i mean talk about primal fear i couldn't move it, i i mean i felt like a rabbit that was right next to the cougar cougar doesn't see him so the rabbit don't move you know what i mean that's What I felt like. And I'll tell you, anybody out there listening, I don't care how curious you are of these things. You don't want to feel that. You don't want to feel that. Anyway, this thing is sniffing. And I knew it was sniffing for me. And it was a heavy breathing, a heavy breath. I mean, like like a cow. I mean, you could hear it, you know, like a bull snorting. It was kind of like that. Only, you know, longer winded. You know, not just a snort. And it was sniffing for me and I smelled it and it smelled like rotten meat and dog urine. And it was the most grotesque smell ever. I mean, it it a skunk is one thing. A skunk has a unique smell and you know it, you, you smell it and you know it. This is something entirely different. This is a mixture of scents that you can definitely put your finger on. And two of them I clearly recognized was rotten meat and dog urine and oh, wet dog. This thing got closer and closer and closer and I could hear it. I could feel it. And the fear is I mean, I got chills right now just thinking about it. Remembering this. And then like out of nowhere, like I'm not a big proponent of God, but man, it's like somebody sent him. He wasn't really a friend of mine, he was a friend of my older brother's, but he was coming home from work or a date, I don't know, but the, the headlights hit the top of the hill and you can clearly see the headlights. Now, at this time, I got to tell you, I didn't see this thing. I could just feel it and I could hear it sniffing. And, you know, when the lights come up the hill, I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, I'm saved. This is like a, a godsend. And then everything went quiet. And the lights were gone. I heard his door open. I heard it close. And I didn't hear nothing after that. Now, I mean nothing. It was like dead silent. But the unusual part is when I say silent, I mean there were no crickets chirping. The frogs stopped croaking. There's peeper frogs out there like you would not believe. As a matter of fact, when I hear them to this day, they put me to sleep because of the memories I have of that. And everything was just, it was, there was no dogs barking. And you got to understand, I'm sitting right next to a kennel. This guy's got dogs everywhere. Not a peep out of these animals. Not a sound. So that, being that, and I was very aware of this, very aware of it. Being that as it may, I stayed in the hedgerow. I didn't move. I mean, I was breathing so light. I mean, it felt like my lungs were going to explode because I, I, I desperately needed to take a, a, a good breath of air and I couldn't because I was so scared. And then I just got the courage and I just picked my head up out of the hedgerow and there was nothing there. And, and as a matter of fact, the moon was out. It wasn't really super bright, but it was bright enough where it wasn't as dark as it was. And, you know, my eyes had well adjusted to the dark by this time. And I could see, you know, pretty clear and there was nothing around. I mean, I looked, my, my head was on a 360 degree swivel. (sighs) Well, excuse me. I didn't see anything there. And the the kid down the road, I don't know, maybe he was in his house or something like that. I, I don't know. I, I managed to get the courage to jump out of the hedgerow. And when I say jump. I mean, like I was on a trampoline. I jumped out of that hedgerow and I ran so fast to my house. And Lo and behold, when I get there, my buddy Tom is sitting on my deck, screaming at me in profanities to open the door <laughs> and get in the house, you know? And my mother didn't allow this kid to stay overnight. She didn't even like him or his family. So, you know, it was like, you know, I was like caught between a rock and a hard case and, there's no way I'm gonna leave my friend out there so I invited him in and we were real quiet the whole night you know we really didn't talk much we did it was always
1: hey guys it is Ryan I'm not sure if you know this about me but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can I like to work but I like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
3: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: What was that? It was a werewolf. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. You saw what I saw. What I saw was blah, blah, blah. You know, I think it was Bigfoot. You know, that kind of thing. We were kids, but I know what I saw. He knows what we saw. For crying out loud. I haven't talked to him in 20 years easily 20 years and my other friend i haven't seen him in well over 30 and we don't really talk much about it but yeah that's my story we were pretty much up all night long i mean scared out of our wits i had nightmares for i can't even tell you how long you know it it was quite a while before i went back out in the woods or even stayed out late if i did i had you know we had like seven dogs one of my dogs was always with me and i always had my 22 but I've since gotten over it, you know, you grow up and that kind of thing. It sits in your mind your whole life, you know, but you never really stop thinking about it. I'll start with everything that I saw clearly and end with everything that wasn't. The head was un- unusually large, w- way larger in proportion to the body. The nose was, proportionally speaking, didn't fit the head, the the, the snout. It didn't fit the head, but it was about as large as the German Shepherd's. The ears sat mostly toward the top of the skull, you know, of the, the crown of the skull, and they had tufts of hair coming off them. I mean, if you can picture the movie The Howling, where he's with the reporter and he turns into the wolf, and that's kind of what it looked like a little bit, I think. But only this thing was like so black, it was jet black. I couldn't really see any eyes. I mean, I know the other reports that you have on your site. Some people say they have glowing blue eyes, some people say they have eyes that only shine when the lights on them, you know, kinda like a deer or an alligator or a cat or a dog. Some people say they have amber eyes, red eyes, I've heard, also. I can't say or claim any of those things because I did not see that. What I saw were dark pits, but that's because it was standing directly underneath the street light and was mostly shadowed. The height, let me start with the height. The height was impossible. The height was impossible. If anybody out there can Walk outside their house right now and just look at the nearest street light that you have and the light that hangs off the pole. This thing could have easily, with its arms still bent, reached up and touched that thing. That's how tall this thing was. It was impossibly large. And it looked like, it looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger met a werewolf because it looked like it worked out its whole life. You could see well defined muscle. The hair on it was not Really thick, but on its back, like from the back of the head down, while it was profiled to me, I could see clearly enough. It was thick, but on its chest area, was almost non-existent and it was wide. I mean, if I had to put a measurement on it, and I know this is not accurate and I know I was just a kid and this was 25 years ago, but my best recollection, I'd have to say this chest was four feet wide, easy, easily. And it was kind of pushed in in the middle like indented, like somebody hit it with a sledgehammer and broke its ribs at one time. I don't know. But very well-defined pecs, arms that were impossibly long, just like they shouldn't be that long. They're just not. I'm long. They were long, 55, 60 inches from shoulder to claw. And yeah, it had claws. It had long claws. And that distance, I'd probably say three to four inches. That's impossible. They were black in color. Let me see. Very skinny waist. Thick legs, tree trunk legs. Cocked backward like a dog or a cow's hawk. I'm sorry, I just don't really remember seeing feet or paws. It's not. It's just not what I was looking at at the time, so I apologize for that. I know I didn't see a tail that much, I know, because it was profiled to me. and Because it was wet and everything was dripping off of it, I'm pretty sure I would have noticed that. And it was very well lit, even though everything underneath this animal was pretty much in shadow, there was still very much predominantly light because it was standing almost, almost directly under the streetlight. And the teeth, man, uh, I don't know, bigger than the biggest bear people can think of. They were long. I'm going to have to say three to four inches long. That's impossible for an animal, a known animal. You know, I don't know of any animals that big, and I'm familiar with cougar, coyote, wolf, coy dog, fox, the common domestic dog. This thing was huge. I mean, it was huge. If I had to put a weight on it, I'd say 350 to 400 pounds easily, easily. And I think, I might be under-guessing that. This thing was just massive. I mean, just massive. Tall, I had to put a height on it, I'd say nine, nine and a half, maybe even 10 feet. I don't know, I was a little kid, so anything over six feet, my brother's six five, so anything over that is giant to me, you know, at the time. And I don't know, that's pretty much how it looked. I can't really tell you about any feet because I just I wasn't looking. That's not the part that drew my attention when this thing's looking at you, you know, when it's profiled. It just stepping out of the water was enough. And then it turns and looks at you. I mean, that's where your eyes are pretty much focused, you know, and I gotta say Everything happened so fast, even though time slowed down. And it did, in my mind, it slowed down. Talking with one of my friends later on in years, and I only discussed it with him once, he pretty much confirmed, you know what I mean, time did slow down. So it seemed like more than seconds, but it was pretty much only seconds. But that's about the best. The hair was short, not really too long. There were tufts of hair that I saw hanging off the backs of its forearms. That much I can tell you because its arm was like rubbing on the dike, the metal of the dike. You could see that. That's pretty much it, Vic. That's pretty much my recollection of that thing.
6: I got woke up yesterday morning. My sister had lost a good friend. And so I I was up early for me. And, uh, you know, I said, well, I'll be right down there. So I went down, I didn't get there until noon, but, I remember my daughter calling me and it was 430 and she goes, I thought you're only going to be gone for a couple hours. And I'm like, okay, I'll start home, you know, and we needed a couple of things at the store. And for people who don't understand what going down street means up here, we don't have like your little, there is one little corner store if you can afford to buy anything out of there. We try to keep our businesses as local as possible But sometimes, you know, it's just realistic. You have to go down street. And I've had several people say, what do you mean by going down street? Down street to us is a 12-mile one-way trip to the store and back. There's no gas station up here. So you get everything you need. I try to get everything I need for at the minimum three days and a week if there's going to be a storm. But running down street isn't an easy task. It's not just something you walk across the road or down the block, and there's one there. There are no blocks up here. It's all one road. And so I went to the store while I was down there, and I want to say it was between, probably by the time I actually left my sister's house, was probably between 5, around, I'll say around 5 o'clock, yesterday evening and I ran to the store real quick I only had to grab like four or five things milk and some soda and bread I think it was but I came right out because I was tired and wanted to get back it'd been a draining afternoon with my sister and so again for the listeners who may have or may not have listened it was the same road that I live on which is Hadley Road. It starts in Hadley. Hadley's just a little hamlet of a town, just a little, not much of a town itself, but it's bigger than Stony Creek. I live in Stony Creek. So Hadley Road starts in Hadley, and it's still Hadley Road when it gets to Stony Creek. That being said, that's where last August 1st, 2016, I had my first encounter with the one I had just described to you. Yesterday, I did not have the windows down on my car. It was kind of cool. I just wanted to get home. And I was about, I would say, three miles from my home, which is about one mile before I got to the Warren County border. And... All of a sudden, out of nowhere, I just see this flash of black, and I just slammed on my brakes. I I didn't see anything there as I was approaching. All of a sudden, I am looking at this thing standing in front of me, and I am like, oh, my God. I'm like, please, dear God, not again. And this time... There's no more curiosity, Vic. I'm interested, and I will continue to listen and gather what information I hear. You know, take it all with a grain of salt. But this thing just was right in front of me. I never seen it on four legs. It was standing upright on two legs. It was black, and it looked like somebody took like a paint-by-numbers paintbrush and put it in some tannish brown paint and might have painted a couple little maybe one or two inch streaks on it and it literally turned and faced my car it couldn't have been more than three foot in front of my car because all I could see of it was the backward facing part of its calf, hawk Not even sure what these creatures, animal parts, names are. And it literally darkened the inside of my car from the size of this. I had come to a complete stop and... With Lucky
3: Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
3: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
1: The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
6: This is still fresh, so I'm still a little shaken up by this. I had to literally bend down As people know from episode 55 or 155, if they don't, I drive a Camaro. So they're short cars. They aren't tall vehicles or low to the ground. And so I had to lean into my dash and look up. And what I seen, Vic, made my blood run cold. I have a cross that hangs from my mirror, and it's a big cross. And I remember just sitting there saying the Lord's Prayer numerous times to myself. It's, and I'm like, please, dear God, please make it go away. You know, and I, and I reach up and I'm holding the cross and I'm looking up. And as I'm looking up, this oh, creature that I know to be a dog man at this point was standing there. And like I said, it had turned to face my car, and I could tell that it was a male. It had the genitals of a male, like a big dog would. The fur seemed thinner on what would be the underside if it was on four legs. And as I'm looking at this thing, its ears were laid right back on the sides of its head this thing was enormous thick it was it had to have been at least eight foot tall i had to literally lean all the way into the dash and i am like looking up at it and it was black uh did not have my windows down this time did not roll my windows down at all i didn't care what it smelled like I didn't need a clearer view. I'd just come from the car wash the day before. Everything was clean in the car. Nothing dirty on the windshield. I wasn't seeing things or anything to that effect. And I looked into the face of what I thought looked like pure, terrifying evil. And as I'm sitting there, for what seemed like an eternity, I'm just staring at this thing. Uh, I don't know. It came out from the the right side of the road. Again, I was on the right side of the road. And it, there's trees and brush and stuff. And there's railroad tracks. And beyond that, again, is the Hudson River, which, you know, meanders down through. I have no idea why it stepped out in front of me. At that point, I really wasn't even thinking of that. I was just like, how many of these things are here? It had to have been, and I'm not exaggerating when I say eight foot tall. And it was so muscular, it's hard to even describe like I said, the fur seemed thinner on what would be the belly of it. I seen the upper legs, the thighs, and mid calf, about mid calf up is about what I could see from looking straight ahead. I'm still, I'm still nervous and I do apologize to all the listeners for that. It, it, it's so fresh. In my mind, that I I thought I was done. I really did. I it just looked pissed, pissed off that I was there, like I had interrupted something. I have no idea what. I I, I had spoke to my son Jared about this, and he said, "Well, maybe." There could have been a group of them hunting. He's seen them in multiples. And um, I didn't look. I I didn't care what was coming from the right side because whatever it was was already in front of me that was enough to take care of me right there. I thought I almost soiled myself, to be quite frank. And I am like... Oh, I, I'm, the teeth. This time I seen teeth. It, uh, oh, it had canine teeth. But it wasn't like, like a dog or any wolf that I've ever seen canine teeth on. These things, it had like, I want to say like three sets of canines. Cause I was trying after I, overcome, got my senses back, let me put it that way, I didn't overcome my fear at all, I could see multiple, multiple teeth. It looked like it had three sets of canines, and the largest being the four front and the very front canine teeth, and they were curved inward. And then it had two more each one, the, the I would say the first set that I seen were at least two and a half inches long. And I just, I just stared. The other ones got a little shorter as they went on. And then there was just a bunch of other teeth in its mouth that you could tell was used for Grinding, killing, ripping, tearing, shredding—anything you can think of. uh, How a star—all I could think of would be like a starving wild animal would dive on something and just start ripping it, and try—you know—swallowing it in pieces without even really chewing it. It was big enough to easily, easily wipe out anything I have ever, 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 ever seen in the wild up here. I or anywhere in the wild. I've, I've not been well traveled, but I have done the eastern, a little over the Mississippi line, but not much, and Texas and Maine, Canada. But my son says he thought that they could have been traveling in a pack to hunt. I could not see the eyes. It just, like I said, it was like it was so just so happy standing there showing me its teeth that I couldn't see eyes it was like squinting because it was I'm sure it was growling I'm sure it had to have been doing something but you know my car is a muscle car so I kind of have a kind of throaty exhaust on it and the radio was on so (laughs) I didn't hear anything but it did not look happy at all, just really, really pissed like, who the f- are you in the middle of my road? Is the way I felt. I felt like the outsider. I have seen six 700 pound bears that had been hunted and hanging and it make them look like boo-boo. They're, he just, this thing was massive and muscular. The chest was hairy. It was very well kept. It was clean. And like I said, I didn't catch an odor. There was no way I was rolling down the window at all. I was that scared. I was alone, first of all, which I don't think it would have mattered because my husband probably would have had a heart attack if he had seen this one. I'm I'm glad he wasn't with me because If he had been and he started screaming or in any way dragged its attention for one split second, I'm just praying, go away, go away, go away. And, of course, it stood there. So I got some of my senses back, and I'm like, okay, start looking for details. You know, get the details, get the details. And, like I said, the teeth, huge, ears pin back they looked huge his head and when I say this its head had to have been three foot wide and with the snout oh my goodness I'm saying its snout was at least at least six inches wide I wasn't going to take the measuring tape out of the trunk and measure it but after working the way that I've worked with the fire companies and as a nurse, you know, you pretty much get used to measuring stuff and you can eyeball a lot of things. The the muzzle, I, I bet you it it stuck out. It had to have stuck out a foot, easy, easy. It seemed like to me, from the best that I could tell, and I did not want to see any more. You know, at that point, I'd seen enough, but it wasn't moving. So, I'm sitting there, just staring, and like I said, I did not see eye color. I couldn't. It was just so scrunched up with the nastiest sneer. Oh, I don't. It was just like, just like you have. Walked into a yard of Rottweilers or something, like in a junkyard dog would come at. you know, that's all I could think, how they would show all their teeth. Well, this was showing me its teeth. I don't remember seeing a tongue, but I didn't think I was going to see anything again after that.
5: Well, it was, I think it was on the weekend, because my kids had it off. I had two young boys, six and nine. Young, young kids, and we were getting around. My husband, he had gone home. We lived in Carlisle, so he went home to visit family that was there. And I sent him home with all the guns because he was going to shoot guns with my brother. And I said, take all the guns with you inside them in, because we had moved a couple times, and you, you know, they need to be sighted in anyways. So I told him to take all the guns. So we loaded his truck up with guns and. <laughs> And they probably thought he was a, a gun runner by the time he got there. They pulled him over. But anyway, so we loaded his truck down with guns, and I sent him off. So it was just me and the kids, and we were getting around, and we were going to watch a movie. So I was fixing to get in there and make some popcorn because we were really going to watch a movie with popcorn in the whole nine yards. And as I was in the kitchen, the cow, we had calves out there. You could see mother and calves out there, you know. And I live so close to the pasture. You could throw a potato and it would land out there in the pasture. Cows could eat it. You know, if I had a potato, I just threw it out there. So, I mean, I live really close to this pasture. And I heard a mother cow. And I thought, eh, something's messing around. Because she was kind of like, we raise cows. So, you kind of know a stressed mother sound. And I thought, wow, there must be some coyotes. But I haven't heard any coyotes. I didn't even hear wolves. No coyotes, no wolves in this area. So I'm like, "They must be a coyote, but I I couldn't remember ever hearing it how, because usually they'll start yipping and they'll start doing all kinds of coyotes. We lived around coyotes. And and, and it started, I'm thinking, okay, I need to scare this off. And I'm thinking, okay, I didn't hear no coyotes yipping. You just can't go out there and yell and scream at them, you know, to make them go away because the ground was getting more intense. But the mother was kind of like bellering and you can hear her rustling around like running or kicking or something. You know how it is that they'll start kicking and walking back. You know, she'll start walking in circles, kicking whatever is messing with her. I think that's what it sounded like that she was doing is she kind of was moving around and you can hear her rustling around and hear her kind of bawling. So it started a growl and it just wasn't a coyote. So. I had one stinking gun in the house, and it, I called it the goose gun because I could take my hand and hold the barrel standing up, and it still had room to go over. And it was so big that my husband didn't carry that. He wasn't about to shoot that gun and sight that in. It's not necessary. It's just extremely long gun. would well, not even fit in a gun cabinet. That's how huge this gun is. I had that gun, and I thought, okay, I guess I'll have to get this gun out. So. As I went in my room to get the gun, I knew that we were in trouble because I could hear the calf getting taken at that time, I, and the calf bellered. It didn't be- beller very long; it just bellered one time. And so I was gathering the kids up, and I was going to the opposite room, which was my bedroom. And I I went in the bedroom. And I was looking for shells for this gun, so I'm going through my dresser. I always have shells like laying everywhere, and I'm like looking for shells to fit this gun. And I found one, and I loaded the gun, and I found another one. And by that time, the growling was very intent, and I set my kids down, and I I was getting worried because my little one he was tiny, and I stuck him under my arm on one side against the dresser because this barrel was so long. I wasn't about to go outside because by the time I got to the bedroom and found the shell, I realized this was not a coyote. This was something that I didn't know what it was, and it was dangerous. So I had my little one under my arm, and my oldest one, I had him by the door. As I was sitting there, and I had this gun, and I'm instructing my oldest, don't run in front of the gun because I've got to swing the gun to the door. If it come in the door, I have to swing the gun that way. And I was trying to do it in a quiet manner because I knew that this was an animal. I only heard one. This was an animal. And it was very big. The roar was too big. The roar was just like immense. And it started growling even louder. And as I sat there, I looked up and realized that my bedroom Did not have a curtain on it. I like to die, And the lights were on. You could see right in, like, anybody standing there. That was the only window that I did not have a curtain for yet (laughs) to this house I moved into. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, I'm like, common sense would have made you shut the light off, but it would have been too scary, honestly. And I'm not scared of the dark, but at this point in time, I would have been too scared. My kids would have just freaked if I shut the light off so I could see. Because really, I'm country. I mean, I like to go out at night and everything, not anymore. but So as I'm sitting there and I, I'm trying to instruct my kids of what to do, I felt like we were under attack. Because the roar got so much, I could feel it in my chest. And it started roaring louder. And I say roar, growling is what I mean. It's a growl. It wasn't a roar. It was a growl. Now, I've heard bear. My sister owned a bear, okay? So I know what a bear sounds like. My sister even, uh, same sister, we call her Dr. Seuss. She even owned a cougar. So it was like, I know what a big cat sounds like. It did not end in a sound like a cat. It did not. This thing was just getting so loud, I felt it in my chest. And my kids were trembling. You could feel them trembling. And I'm looking at the window thinking I don't even have a curtain. So I'm I'm up again trying to make my kids stand still because I'm looking for more shells because I only had two shells. And finally, I realized that I didn't have any more shells for this gun. We moved. So it was like some of this stuff wasn't unpacked yet. You know, it could have been in the, in the gun cabinet. I don't know where the shells were to this gun. All I could find was two. And this got so loud, I sat back down. And I heard another voice in a distance, another growl in a distance, and it got closer and it got closer. And there was two, two very distinct growls, and they both continued to growl. And and I didn't feel it so much in in my chest as I did the very first growl, the the very first, whatever killed this animal. That growl was really, really, I mean, it vibrated in my chest. The second growl, they were growling together. And there is nothing that puts a fear in you, like the feeling of growling that you don't know what's growling. Yes, I know that it was outside. Yes, I know my door was locked. But I felt like we were in a war because I didn't know. And then I heard another one come up. I heard another one growl. It, it growled just like the other one at a distance, and I heard it come up. And then they started ripping. You could hear them rip, pull the meat, the flesh of this calf. They were pulling it apart. You could hear them. It was like they had it between them, and they were just like pulling limb for limb. And my youngest says, what about Pete dog? which is our Rottweiler outside, because he was barking a little bit before that, but he, he wasn't making a sound. And I'm like, I said, it's too late. If he's outside, it's too late. So they were crying. And I don't know what I was doing. I don't know what my expression was. I have no idea what I was doing. All I could think of is I don't have enough shells. There's no way that I could protect my kids. I don't have enough shells because there's three, and I only have two shells. And I only prayed. I said, God, I just said, I hope that by the time they get done, they're full. But I didn't know what they were. And you could hear them crunch the bones like they were eating corn nuts. It was like they chewed the bones up like it was nothing but corn nuts, just crunch. That was it. They ate. You could hear them eating this calf. And uh, I can only think that I hope they're full by the time they get done. And I hope there's not any more. And I didn't know what they were. I knew they weren't a bear. I could tell by the roar. And I knew they weren't a cat because a cat's roar, even when they feed, has a snarl at the end. And these didn't sound like that. And there was definitely three. So we sat there. And I was telling my kids they couldn't make a noise. I felt like that mother that wanted to smother her kids so the kids wouldn't make a noise. But they had enough sense, thank goodness, to be quiet. Because I told them, I said they're they're like a dog. I didn't know what they were. I had no idea. But all I know is a dog can hear a lot, a, a, a long ways away. A dog has very sensitive hearing. So our kids knew that, you know. And it was like, they're like they're they're like a dog. They can hear. They're an animal. They can hear you, so you have to be very quiet. And I was telling Ellen that I'm going to swing the gun that way. Don't get up and run.
3: With the Lucky Land Sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start
3: getting lucky.
5: Because he wouldn't, if I had him on the other side next to the youngest, he couldn't hold the youngest down if he saw it. I didn't know what it was. I was just planning for the worst. And I didn't have enough shells. It got quiet. So we waited there. We sat there. And I'm looking at the window and I'm waiting for something to show up in the window because the window was high enough that a head could fit in. You know, I didn't know what they were. I still was looking at the window, and it got very still. In about 30 minutes, I thought, okay, I'm going to go stick my head out the door. I wanted to see if the dog was okay. He was chained up on the side between the house and the pastor. So I barely opened the door, and I said, Pete, and I heard his chain move on the house, and I said, good boy, be quiet, and I shut the door, and I locked it. So I knew that the dog had made it through the night, He or he made it through. They didn't eat him, and I felt kind of confident that if they were hungry, they would have ate my dog. And I didn't know what they were. And my husband came home two days later. But before this, the very next day, I walked out and I looked. And you could see where the grass was mashed down. You could see kind of a bloody spot. There was nothing there, though. And the man that owned the cows, he would come twice a day. He'd come in the morning, he'd come at night. At that morning, he came through and he went down to the end of the pasture where I used to live. And he has a little gate, and he goes in through there. So he went in there, and he come back. So I'm waiting for him to come back down. There's only one way in, one way out. So I'm waiting for him to come back. And when he come back, I stopped him. And I asked him, I said, you know, I asked him how he's doing, because I never really talked to him. My husband talked to him, but I never really talked to the man. And I said to him, I said, you got any cows that are mama cows that are hurt? Cause this mother cow really put a fight up. She really put a fight up. And he said, "No, no, I don't don't have any." I said, "Are you sure?" He's like, "No, I'm pretty sure that I don't have any." So I looked at him. And I said, "Well," and I started telling him about what had happened that night. And I told him, I said, "You know, there's something that ate a calf out here." And as I, I was telling him that there was. More than one. His lips started getting white. You could see his color leaving his lips. And I showed him where it was. I said, You see that right? You know, I was just pointing toward it. And I said, That's where it was, right by the house. I said, Now, if you go there, I said, You don't take no handgun because the handgun's not going to get it. I could tell you by the roar. I don't know what it is. It didn't sound like a cat. It didn't sound like a bear. I said, Before you get there, I said, you better take a gun and knock an elephant down. I and mean, I'm serious when I say that. I, he, and he looks at me and he says, I believe you. So he went on. He thanked me. He went on. And I'm still trying to figure out what it is. There was no Internet or I didn't have one. I didn't have no, no, nothing. But I, nobody I could ask what it could be. I went over to the neighbor's house. They lived right across the road. And I asked them, did you hear that calf get killed? You know, and they're like, no. And I thought, what were you, drunk? That was really, really loud. How can you not hear it? And this happened at probably about 10, 9 ish, 10 o'clock at night. And I'm like, how can these people not have heard it unless their noise was so loud? So it's like they lived. Cross the road, just across the road, and, you know, like you're living in a town and you live across the road from a house. That's about how close they live from me. They never heard it, and I told them, I said, listen, there's something out here. And I said, you need to make sure you watch your kids because this ate a calf. Yes, it was a calf, but listen, it's going to be hungry. There's more than one. They're feeding off calves. They're going to be hungry, and I knew it. They were feeding off these calves. They were going to be hungry. So my husband came home and I told him, I said, this trash can that was full of dog food, I told him I said, bring it in the house. And he's like, no, we'll just put it on the front porch. And I'm like, that's not good enough. (laughs) Listen, I'm going to tell you how much dog food. I would buy dog food for my dog. And I have never in my life seen a dog that ate so much dog food. Or I thought that's what these things were. These things must have been eating the dog food. Because I, I looked at Pete and I tell him, I said, Pete, I said, you just got to know me. I'm like, Pete, I said, now, I know what you eat. I said, if I ever get hungry, you're the first one I'm going to eat. I'm, like, I'm telling my dog this, you know, and he's like looking down. <laughs> and it's like he understood what I was telling him. This happened before because my dog would go through so much dog food. And what these things were doing is they they must have been in the dog food somehow or another. So I started feeding Pete Dog. I would feed him in his big pan. And when he didn't finish it, I would bring it in the house. And I'm just looking, you know, I'm realizing that these things must, whatever, somehow or another, must have been eating his dog food in his pan is what I assumed. So my husband, he finally, he come in and he put the big I don't know. I think it's about a hundred gallons or something. You can put two fifty-pound bags of dog food in it, and he was putting it up underneath the porch. And I said, "That's not good enough. Cover it up." So he covered it up with a tarp. You know, what if they knocked it over or what? I'm like, I don't want to attract any more animals up here. And he didn't believe me. My husband did not believe me. And he looked at. I said, "Ask the kids, okay?" It's, you know, it, I I was kind of disgusted because you know, it's like he didn't believe me, and I don't lie, really. I'll tell you straight out. I don't care how bad it hurts. I'm going to tell you the truth. (laughs) You know, and it's like, okay, we've been married all these years and and you're not going to believe that there's something out here. But he did believe. I said, I guess it's a cat. And I told the kids, I said, it has to be a large cat. That was the only thing that I could put my finger on to make them scared. But I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was that made that noise. It just didn't sound like a cat. And I told my husband, I said, it didn't sound like a cat. So I worked second shift and I go out there and feed that dog because I didn't want my husband, I didn't trust my husband enough not to just leave the dog food out there because I'm thinking, you got to pick the dog food up. You can feed him twice a day, but you have to pick the dog food up. Do not leave any excess food outside. I don't want to draw these critters back up here because they're going to be hungry really, really soon. because. This is why I knew they were going to be hungry. The man, the very next day that I told about the calf getting killed, all of a sudden, early that very next, soon as sunrise, there was a long haul trailer, that cattle trailer, went by the house and it was full of men. And then there was another trailer, it was a shorter trailer, following. And that man, removed every cow from that pasture. He loaded it down. All the men that was with him, i never seen these people. I don't know where these, these guys didn't even look local, but they must have been. They had some serious look on their face when they drove by. So I watched. I watched to make sure, see what they were doing. And when he got all the cows loaded, The man that owned the cows walked to the end of the pasture toward the house. And when he got about, oh, I'd say about 30 feet from where I showed him that calf was, he motioned the men to stop. And the men were carrying guns that looked just like that stupid goose gun of mine. The barrels were that long. They were huge. And he motioned to the men to stand. He, he motioned, he took both of his hands and he motioned him to stand and he walked. And I could have swore that man was tiptoeing, but I couldn't put my finger. But the way he walked, he walked very quietly up to this area. And when he got close enough, he leaned over where this calf was. And you could smell dead, rotten, bloody, dead stuff. You could smell it. I mean, you could tell it was slaughtered there. He shook his head up and down. And instead of turning around and walking away, like you would assume, this guy walked backwards until he came up to the men. And they all quickly turned and left. This man was very scared. I think he really knew what was happening in this area. So I'm worried because my kids get on bikes. They ride up and down the lane. The young boy that lived across the road, he was always up and down the lane. And it wasn't a very long lane. It wasn't long. I mean, there's like three houses, maybe four, and that's it. And I was worried about my kids. So when I fed the dog before I went to work, I was waiting for him to get done. And when he got done, I'd pick stock food up, and I'd bring it into the kitchen, and they'd just sit on the counter, you know. And I made a note because my husband was off doing something. I don't know what it was. I, I left a note for him. I said, now, feeding to tonight because my husband is a you feed your dog twice a day kind of person. I said, if you feed him tonight, I said, make sure you pick his dog food up. You don't want those critters coming back because they're going to be hungry because there's no more calves out there, no more cows out there. So I started watching. So I was washing dishes that week. It was about that week. It had to have been that week. I was washing dishes. I thought I'd seen something one day. So I thought, well. Hey, they're still in the neighborhood. So the next day I went out to feed my dog before I went to work again. And I seen the end part of two of them across the pasture. I seen two shadows. You can see a sort of, it was the tail end part of it. It's like, they're, oh my God, they're so fast. Two of them went by and I thought, Hey, they're here. So I went back in the house, quickly got my binoculars. And I sit on the back porch and the dog, he was sitting on his house. We had built him a house that he can get on it. Like if the ground was wet or something, he can get on top of his house. And he was watching, he was sitting there and he must have seen him go by the first time because he was looking that way, the dog was. So I thought, they're going to go back through here because it was like a waterway and tree lines in this pasture and it curved around and they had like a watering hole in the middle of the pasture. So it was like, It kind of like did a V or something there. Anyways, I'm watching, and I see three of them run by very fast. And uh, what the heck is that? And they were gray. They weren't, it looked like a tree, like an oak tree, gray. They were color gray, and they were strange looking. They were very graceful, but they did not run like a cat. And this is with binoculars. They were so fast that I couldn't put my finger on say, get a detail. And I thought, what in the world is that? That's not a cat. They didn't run like a cat. They were graceful, graceful, smooth. They didn't run like a cat. I could not put my finger on what I just saw with binoculars. And as I sat there thinking this, one of them turned around. It had to have. It started walking back. It, it, I saw it. It started walking back toward this opening that, that was between the trees. It was underneath this tree. And I'm looking at it. it. It walks back and it turns toward me. And it starts walking toward me. And I have never seen an animal. I, and I thought, what in the heck is that? As I'm watching it, it you could see its nose twitching like it's, it, was, it was smelling the air. And I'm looking through binoculars and I'm watching this thing. And it had... It was like, uh, there's a film that's out. They say it's a hoax and it's an old film. But this thing runs around and they say this, it's a hoax and the guy had a ghillie suit. But here's the thing about that film that reminded me of what I was looking at it was its shoulders. This thing had massive Shoulders like bowling ball, huge, it was very wide, like a pit bull, you know how a pit bull uh, is really 's got huge, massive chest. This thing had a massive chest, and I'm like, that is no cat by no means it's not a cat it Its eyes I want to say was golden, and it come right out very deliberately in the sunlight. And I didn't know what I was looking at. And then it did something that... I it did something that was impossible in my mind. It's like he started standing up. And you can see the legs was like bowed. The, the, the leg part was bowed. And the, the shoulders on this thing... It looked like it got bigger as it stood. Apparently, when you look at it when it's standing up, it's sh- it was so massive that it looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger in his glory days. It had a very thin waist on it, and it it be'd it, it out, you know, it went down into a V. It had a thinner waist than the the shoulders, and it had ears like a dog, but like a oh, I want to say a Doberman sort of, that sharpness of a Doberman. It was a huge canine creature. It wasn't no bear. It had a snout. It had teeth. And I looked at it, and it, it was gray. And it had scraggly hair, like on the, you know how a man has just sporadic hair on his chest? This thing had sporadic hair on his chest, gray. And there was no distinction from, like, no black in it. It This looked like a tree trunk gray. Its neck was so huge that I couldn't take my arms and put it around its neck. And I'm a grown woman. I could not put my arm around its neck. It was so huge. And as I washed it, it was swaying back and forth. Now, this is happening. And I'm in... I'm in shock. I don't know what this thing is. I'm like, oh, oh my god, this thing is around here. It's not a cat. It's got dog ears. And as I was watching it, it got taller. It's like it, it's like it set up, you know how a dog will beg? It's almost like it did the beg thing. And did the sway, it started doing that sway back, sway back. And it got taller as it was swaying back, like shifting back and forth. Its body was kind of like moving back and forth, side to side. And it got bigger and bigger. And I'm like, it's, it's arms. I could not see its hands like a dog, a dog. It, it, it but it had it, it, it had its arms bent like uh, a dog will beg. You know how a dog will put his hands up and beg? It had its it's had its arms begging to that whatever that was. And I'm just looking at the shoulders and I I can't identify this thing. And it's looking right at me. And it's huge. And all of a sudden its ears click back like a horse that's mad and it's fixing to bite you. Its ears clicked back. And I knew, I knew, oh, my God, this thing was mad then because his ears went back. And as soon as its ears went back, my dog, which I didn't know it was my dog, he jumped off his doghouse and he started pacing back and forth. But when he made a noise because his chain hit, we had a metal piece that was on the doghouse and his chain hit that when he jumped off and it made a really loud noise so I'm thinking they're back they come up you know cause I'm looking through a pair of binoculars and I'm thinking they come by the the peripheral these animals you know and I'm, I'm so scared by them because I'm thinking they're here they're gonna attack so I drop my binoculars and I I turned my head to see and realized it was my Rottweiler. And my Rottweiler started whining, and he was pacing back and forth, back and forth, crying, just whine, whine, whine. Very odd. He never acted like that. I'd never seen him act that way. But he was whining. I don't know if that creature made a noise, a growl, or what. Whatever it was, when the ears clicked back, it must have made a noise because that's when the dog started getting down and pacing and being scared. So immediately I picked the binoculars back up and I focused and it wasn't there anymore. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I've lost it. I looked, could not find it. I dropped the binoculars, trying to find it in case it's coming toward me because I'm thinking these things were so fast when they went by. There's no way I could get from the setting position that I was in and into the back door. There's no way I could do it in time. If I did, I was going to be very lucky. Because when its ears clipped back, I knew I was in trouble. It was very deliberate. This thing, when it come out the tree line, it come back deliberately. It was very deliberate motion. I don't know. But when it looked at me and its ears clipped back, it was a, I was warned. I was so warned by then. I get very fearful when I think about it. Uh, So. When I lost it in the field, the vision, I'm thinking it's running toward me. So I dropped it and I could not find it. So I saw something I didn't know what it was. And I uh, i was scared because I'm thinking my kids go out. This is during the middle of the day and these things are still out moving around. And I noticed the cow's pattern had changed. I thought, well, maybe it had something to do with the weather because they used to be up underneath the trees, like in the summertime it was really hot was like and they would kind of like hang out under the trees, tree lines, you know, and it was kept them you know kept pretty cool and I noticed that their pattern had changed, and they were starting to stay up under the trees by the house, so even at night, usually uh, I don't know where they used to go at night, but they started staying up by my house at night. The cows did, so I noticed this change in the pattern of the animals, so this thing. And I forgot to mention that that man that owned those cows, he told me that he did have three or four calves that was missing before I told him that there was one that was gone that had been eaten out there. And he said that he had three or four of them at least missing. So this has been going on for the fall anyways. So um I had my husband take the dog food. Because if this thing can stand up, it can get into anything. I figured dogs are pretty smart. This was canine. It had ears like a dog. We I raised big dogs. It was canine. And it stood up. It had hair that hung off its arms. Six inches, like scraggly long hair on it
1: That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No by law. and website for details.
5: And I never could tell if it had a tail. If it had a tail, it tucked its tail like a, you know, how a whip it will tuck its tail up underneath itself. It either tucked its tail. It wasn't something a tail that you could really tell. I think it tucked its tail. That was the only thing I could think of, because I never seen like when they run. The three ran by. You could not see like this long flowing tail. You all you could see is the graceful elegance, quickness of it, and it wasn't cat like. And when that one, the the one that showed itself, but when it come back through, it walked very slowly. It was walking very slowly on a side angle it looked like one of those spotted hyenas, like the shoulders were higher than the back. And I mean, that it was like the shoulders were high on it, like a hyena, like the the hind hips were shorter than the top part of it. And it had, it reminded me of a hyena in a way like, Like that crazy hyena cartoon with the crazy cousin that has the teeth that's drooling and he's crazy that it's like a cartoon with the teeth. It had teeth like that. It reminded you of a hyena. It was all great. There wasn't a spot one on it that I could tell, like nothing distinguishing like a dog spot or a speckle from a hyena or anything like that. It just was it took that shape of a hyena. Except it was a lot broader. When it turned toward me and it started walking out in the sunlight, it had massively wide chest. It was like huge. And then when it started to stand up, it it got even bigger because then you had the definition of the, the smaller waist of it, you know. You realize that what is this? It's huge. And then you realize it's got ears. <laughs> it's got ears. It's not it's not no bear that you could say it's a bear. I've never seen a grey bear either. I only seen brown, but I don't know. You know, I'm, this thing was gray. So I could not tell you what it was. When my husband came back from his trip, he was going to go back to work. He had been off work for his arm. He had hurt his arm and he had to recoup on it and he went back to the farm. So he went back on the farm in two weeks. So in two weeks time, we moved from there, and the little boy that lived across the street—he come out when I found out what these things were. I still didn't have a name, and I told the little boy he come over and he started to ride down the lane. I'm like, "Oh my God, these things are out during the day!" So I told him, I said, "Hey, come here," you know. So he came over to the house, and I said, "Did your mom and dad tell you about these things that are out here?" And he's like, they said something to me. I said, well, hey, it ate a calf in less than 30 minutes, well less than 30 minutes. And I said, it's at least three of them. And he looked at me and he, he had fear on his face. I don't know if his mom and dad had been talking about it or what, but he said, what is it? And I, I looked at him. I said, hey, your dad works out in the woods. His father was a the man that lived across the street. He lumbered. They go in and they cut lumber down. So this guy was familiar with the woods. And I looked at the boy and I said, you better ask your dad what's in the woods. I said, it didn't sound like no cats. This is before I seen these things. So the little boy went home and got off his bike. So that concerns me that people still live in that area. Those things, they haven't disappeared. Now, they might move around in the area, but they have not disappeared. They're still there. And if they will eat a calf, they will eat a person. Sorry, food is food. So I was really concerned about my kids being there. And uh, when I found out that we were going to move back onto the farm, I felt so much better, but I never knew what it was. And I worked with a lady that lived down the very first house on that road. I worked with her on the same line. I worked at a, a meatpacking plant, and she was an Indian, full-blooded, looked like. I'm pretty sure she was full-blooded. I forgot what Cherokee or something. I don't know. Anyways, I told her. I said, hey. And I told her what happened. And she didn't even want to talk to me about it. She said, we don't talk about that. And I said, so you don't know what that is? And she said, we don't talk about that. We don't say what that is. And she whispered to me, skinwalker. And I realized what it was after she said, because I was trying to get a name. I, I wanted to know what the heck did I just see. Um, there's at least three of them because I, I was telling her, there's so at least three of them, you know, and I was telling her she didn't have an animal, but I was telling her beware of this. And she got really scared. Her eyes got really huge, but she would not, she didn't want to talk about it. And she, she whispered Skinwalker to me. And I realized that it was a, Indian thing uh it was their belief that skinwalkers will come back or something you can't say their name or whatever it is but she did call it a skinwalker I told the one that lived across the street and I told the lady that lived down the road so hey yeah I got everybody on the block <laughs> I told everybody I could that there was something there and now I didn't know what it was and this was before I realized what it was But when I found out I was going back home, I was really comforted because I didn't want my kids around that. And from there, I didn't go camping anymore, and uh, I didn't realize how prominent they were. I didn't know what they were. I mean, I could not tell you what I saw. My husband goes hunting. I tell him, now, you know, there's things out there in the woods. I knew it wasn't a Bigfoot because I seen the one Oh, I forgot. It was a big foot that moved around a long time ago. You know, I seen that and I'm like, no, this thing had ears. This was me. This was an animal. This is canine. This was a predator. A predator is a perfect name for this.
7: This event happened back in 1981. I was 17 years old. It was really hot that night and it would have been probably the latter part of July or perhaps the first week or two in August. I mean, it was really hot, and of course I was driving that night when it occurred, and, and I was driving with my windows down because I didn't have any air conditioning. But anyway, this event happened when my wife and I were first dating. I think maybe we had been dating maybe about a year. I had just gotten my driver's license. Most teenagers get their driver's license when they're 16, but I didn't get mine until I was 17 years old. My dad had just bought me a 1968 Dodge Coronet, and I really loved that car, and I was really proud of it. It was kind of a burnished copper color with metal flake paint. It had nice mags on it, jacked up the rear end. You know how the folks did with the muscle cars back at that time. It had a 318 engine in it, and of course now there's a lot of bigger and better Mopar engines out there, but this engine had been bored out and it had been built. It had quite a bit of power, and I had a nice set of Cherry Bomb mufflers on it, and uh, man, I just loved the sound that it made as I drove along, as I downshifted or accelerated the roar of that engine coming through those Cherry Bomb mufflers. And you know, now that I think back on it, and since we talked the other day, I've been thinking a little bit more about the encounter and trying to make sense of it and why that it occurred. And and I got to thinking about it. It's very possible I triggered the encounter that night and really what I consider as an attack about what I was doing with the engine of that car. Because, you know, as I would go into curves and I'd downshift, maybe, you know, sometimes I was kicking it up into neutral and goosing it and you know, revving the engine when I'd come out of the curves in the straightaways, I would kind of get into it just a little bit. And, you know, just listening to the roar of that engine coming through those cherry bomb mufflers. And maybe, I don't know, maybe this thing was in the middle of a hunt as I was driving. And I'll tell in a moment where the event occurred. But as I was driving down this road, there was pasture fields on either side of me, bounded by high ridges and woodland and there was cattle and horses in the fields. In other places, there was silage corn. I don't know if you know what that is, but primarily in this part of the country. I live in East Tennessee, just a couple of counties to the northwest of the Smoky Mountains, and in our part of the country, it's primarily cattle farming, what people out west would call a small ranch operation. Primarily, they raise beef cattle, some dairy cattle, and they raise silage corn. And Of course, they harvest the years of corn to feed the cattle and to feed hogs and things like that, horses. And they grind up the corn stalks and the leaves and everything and make what they call silage out of it. And they store it in silos, and they use that as feed for their cattle and horses and their hogs and things in the winter. And so I could see these corn fields, and it was a bright, moonlit night. I could see occasionally these cornfields and also at that time there was a lot of tobacco raised in this part of the country. Of course uh, there's not so much anymore but back then just about everybody had their own patch of tobacco. They would raise tobacco and sell it and I could see cattle and horses in the field. It was such a bright moonlit night. I could see in the fields almost as good as you could in the day And and also interspersed among the the cattle and horses in the field were deer, and it's very possible that this thing was in the middle of a hunt and about to maybe spring on a deer or maybe even a cow or a calf, and I interrupted its hunt with the sound of this engine as I was driving down through here, but like I said, I live in East Tennessee, maybe about 500 yards south of the Virginia line. And my occurrence happened actually over the line in the state of Virginia. But I was going to see my wife, as I said, and I wanted to show her this car that I had gotten, that my dad had bought for me. I wanted to take her for a ride in it. You know, I was real proud of it. I wanted her to see it. And I was going to visit her at her parents' house, which is actually the property that we live on now in our home. She lived at that time, we were teenagers, and she lived at that time with her parents, and I lived with mine. This was several years before that we got married, but my grandparents, they lived on a road that's called Wagoner Hollow Road, and and this road runs about, it's about 20, 25 miles long, and it begins in southwest Virginia, and it crosses over the line, and it passes through two counties in Tennessee as well, but the occurrence happened. On the Virginia side of the line, like I said, my grandparents live on this wagon or hollow road. I really don't know why they call it a hollow. It's really kind of a narrow valley. And just like most of the area around here, it primarily consists of narrow valleys and hollows. And bounded on all sides by high woody ridges, we've got a lot of trees here. I mean, you could start from where I live. A squirrel could and can just about, almost without any breaks, except for, you know, where the roads do pass through, travel from my house through the state of Virginia all the way to Cumberland Gap into Kentucky and almost never have to touch the ground. I mean, there's just woods everywhere on all the ridges all around, and this is how this valley was, this wagoner or hollow road. This is how it was. The road was real curvy. Narrow country road, and it just kind of meanders through the valley, all the way on the Virginia side and on the Tennessee side, with farmland on either side. And of course, three strand barbed wire fences all along the way, and fields. The valley here it goes anywhere from three or four hundred yards on either side of the road, and some places narrows down maybe to hundred fifty yards or hundred yards or something like that. But you know, it varies from different places. But anyway, I was going to take the route through this Wagoner Valley Road to go and see my wife. And my grandparents lived in this Wagoner Apollo Road. And my mother asked me if I would drop her off at my grandparents' house to visit with them while I went to see my wife. And then, you know, come back and pick me up afterwards. And so I agreed to do that. So I took my mother to my grandparents' house and I dropped her out and I went on up to where my wife and I live now to her parents' house and I took her for a ride in the car, showed her the car and I ate supper with them and we stayed there and, and visited together till about maybe about eleven, uh, eleven fifteen, something like that. And then I left and I turned off the road that she lived on, where we now live, onto this Wagner Holler Road and went back to pick my mother up at my grandparents' house. And now, as I said, this road, it's got a lot of sharp curves in it. There's some straightaways, but for the most part, it's just a windy, twisty, narrow country road. You can't go too fast. And of course, I just got my license. I was an inexperienced driver. My car, I hadn't had it too long, and I wasn't used to it, and so, of course, if you know anything about those muscle cars, they do great in the straightaway, and you can just fly with them, but they don't take curves too good, and so I couldn't go real fast, and I probably wasn't driving over 30 miles an hour at the maximum, and in in a lot of cases, I was slowing down maybe to about 20 miles an hour, but in any event, I was going down through there, and I was downshifting and revving the engine and listening to the sound of the engine coming through those cherry bomb mufflers. And I was watching and looking at the cattle and the horses and the fields and everything, you know, on either side as I was going down through there. And I was just getting ready to go into a long and sharp curve that curved around to the right hand. And I noticed on the right-hand side of the road, And as I was going down through here, like I said, the moon was lighting everything up, and I could see everything almost as good as I could during the daytime in the fields. But the ridges and the woods on either side, they just kind of appeared like clumps, shadowy clumps. I couldn't really see much detail from them. And as I began to go into this long curve to the right, there was a shadow that kind of detached from maybe about 100, 150 yards off. On my right, kind of detached from the shadows of the tree line and started moving at an angle away from the tree line, almost paralleling my vehicle, but coming at an angle. And I could tell by the way that the road was curving around to the right and the angle that this thing was moving, that it was going to intersect my vehicle. And I mean, this thing was moving on. Now, what I'm about to tell you about Vic, this all happened in, it couldn't be more than just a few seconds. Maybe 20, 30 seconds, something like that. Certainly less than a minute and couldn't have been any longer than that, but it just seemed like time just slowed down to a crawl and it just seemed like everything was moving in slow motion. I don't know what it was about it, but there was something about this figure that just unnerved me and it just made me uneasy. This, whatever it was, this thing just, it just didn't look, I couldn't really tell what it was about it but there was something about it that just looked unnatural to me. Of course, I found out later on why that was as it got closer to me, and I could tell what it was. And this thing was actually taking a longer path of travel than I was the way that it was running, but I could tell I mean, this thing was going to come in direct contact with me somewhere around this curve. And, I mean, it was moving fast, I mean, super fast. I couldn't really tell what it was, but, uh, I mean, it was one of the fastest-moving things that I'd ever seen. Anyway, as I'm coming around this curve, this thing is just keeping my attention, and my eyes are darting back and forth from the right got You know, I have to look at the road, or I'm going to run out of the road because I'm going around the curve, but it, it's drawing my attention. I keep looking at it and trying to figure out what this thing is and what it is that's so strange about the way that it looks and it begins to draw a little bit closer to me. And, you know, I kind of thought maybe when it first came out, maybe it might be a deer. There's a whole lot of white-tailed deer in this area that we live in, and pretty much on a daily basis when I'm going to work, I'll see one somewhere along the way that's been hit by a car and killed. And You know, I didn't want this thing to run out in front of me and hit my car. And for one thing, at that time, In Tennessee, there was no law requiring you to have automobile insurance, and my dad, he didn't believe in having it. And so I didn't have any insurance on my car, and I didn't want this thing, whatever it was, to cause me to wreck or to hit my car and do damage to it because I didn't have the money to fix it or to replace it. But then as I was watching this thing, I noticed that there was something strange about it. I noticed that whatever it was, It wasn't running on all fours. Whatever this thing was, it was on two feet. I didn't understand what it was. It just seemed to me like, I mean, the only thing that I know of in this area, and we do have black bears, they're rare, but we do have some in this area, but a black bear just cannot move at the speed that this thing was moving at. I mean, a black bear, when it gets up on its hind legs, it's just not natural for it and it just moves in a clumsy fashion, and this thing, whatever it was, I mean, it was just moving super fast, and it was just fluid in its motions in the way that it ran, and no bear could get up on its hind feet and run in the way that this thing was running. But yet, you know, it couldn't be a man. I knew that it could not be a man because I, I, I ran track when I was in high school. I ran the 880 relay, ran the 440. And I knew that a human being could not run as fast as this thing was running. And I just couldn't understand what this thing was that was angling across this field and coming toward me. And I knew that was going to intersect me as it came across this field. And as I'm going along, it starts to get a little bit closer as it's running at an angle, but yet at the same time kind of parallel in my car. And it's keeping up with my car. It's keeping up with the speed that I'm going at and I don't understand this, I don't understand how this thing can be going and keeping the same speed as my car. You know, I'm coming into this sharp curve and I've gotta slow down. And I know that this thing pretty soon is gonna come out, maybe jump out in front of me and meet me and meet the line of travel of my car. And as it grew closer, I began to see more details about this thing and it for definite sure was running on its hind legs. It wasn't on all fours. It was on its hind legs, like a man, but it wasn't like a man. I mean, this thing was on its hind legs, but it wasn't standing up fully erect like a human being does. This thing was, it kind of appeared stooped as it was running. It was standing up. It was on its hind legs, but yet it wasn't standing up straight, and this didn't look like a human figure. It looked like something totally different. It, It looked like something that, I mean, I've never seen anything that looked like this thing. And as it begins to draw closer, I begin to pick out more detail about it. And I can tell that whatever this thing is, it don't have knees like a human being does. This thing has hocks like a horse or a cow or a deer or something like that. But a four-legged animal like that cannot run on its hind legs like that. I mean, cannot possibly move as fast and as as fluidly and as as swiftly as this thing was moving. and then I noticed I could see in the moonlight that it looked like it had a big dog's head. I mean, that—that's that, all I know how to explain it. I mean, it had a long snout on it, like a wolf, or maybe like a German Shepherd, and it looked like it had long, tall ears that were standing straight up on the top of its head. And I could see that it had a long, bushy tail. And the only thing I know that I can think of that it reminded me of was a coyote's tail. But at that time, I don't think we've got them here now. They came in here now, but I don't think we even had coyotes in this part of the country at that time. I'd never heard about it anyway. And there's no way that a coyote would be that big, and there's no way that it could run on its hind legs like this thing was running. And that tail, it streamed out behind it, but long, bushy tail. And it was kind of bouncing up and down a little bit as it was running. And I noticed that this thing had arms and that the arms, they were, you know, they were kind of pumping like a human being's. But, you know, when a human runs, a human being pumps his arms almost as fast as his legs are moving. And this thing was kind of pumping them, but they weren't moving as fast as his legs were moving. And another thing that I noticed the majority of the time when a human being runs, a human kind of clenches their fist when they run. And this thing wasn't doing that. It was almost holding its hands and that's what they looked like. It didn't look like paws to me. I can only describe them as hands. It more or less looked like they were hanging almost limp as it ran. And I could see the fingers hanging down as this thing ran. And as it began to draw closer, I could see that it had hair or fur all over its body, I could see that, and I could tell that. I couldn't really tell for sure, but it looked to me like it was black. But later on, I realized that that's what color it was, but I really couldn't tell the color yet at this point. And so this thing begins to draw closer. And as I said, it was a really hot night, and I was driving along in my car, and I had my windows rolled down because I didn't have any air conditioning on it. And, you know, this thing keeps drawing closer and closer to me and, and I just, you know, my unease just grows more and more and I'm starting to get scared. I I don't, I don't understand it. I don't know what this thing is. I just can't make out what this thing is. It it don't look like anything that I've ever seen before. And it begins to draw closer. It gets close to the barbed wire fence on my right hand side. And I think, well, maybe it's going to slow down or or maybe it'll veer off where it won't run into that barbed wire and it'll turn aside out of my way. But it didn't do that. Instead of doing that, this thing sped up. And instead of turning aside, it jumped right over the fence. And it landed on my side of the fence in between the ditch line and the fence. And then it took another bound. And the next thing I know, this thing is out in the road. I mean, it's right next to my vehicle, and it scared me so bad that I, I jerked the wheel and and, and I ran over in, in, into the left lane. And and I was driving in the left-hand lane. And 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 if there'd been a and if there'd been a car coming, I mean, you know, I, I, it would have hit me head on. But it scared me so bad when this thing jumped across the fence, and I thought it was going to jump right into my vehicle. That I, I, you know, just not thinking instinctually, I just jerked the wheel to the left and went over as far as I dared into the left-hand lane. And this thing, it started running right along beside of me. And I want to tell you that, like I said, I had the windows rolled down, but I had cherry bomb mufflers on that car. And if you know what they're like, they're loud. But yet, at the same time, I could hear the nails of this thing, the toenails. Click, 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 clacking on the road as it ran along beside me, and I could, man, I could see it good now. And you know, I, I, I I had to. I I really didn't want to look at its face. I really didn't want to see its face, but I couldn't help it. It, It's just like I couldn't help myself. I had to. And I mean, this thing was tall. It had to be at least seven feet tall. It towered over the top of my car. And it was running along beside me. It couldn't have been more than five or six feet off the passenger side of my car. Just, I mean, right even with my passenger side window, I could see it just as clear as day as it ran along beside me. And I I really didn't want to see its face, but I felt like I I just couldn't help it. I had to. And so, and, and it was so tall, I had to kind of lean over, almost lay over. Uh, uh, on the right side, kinda of in the seat and pop myself up with my hand on the right side while I hung onto the wheel and drove with the left to, to get a look at it and, and, and to see its face. And I, I wish that I hadn't, but I did. Uh, the, you know, this thing definitely, I mean, it was, it had to be, like I said, it had to be seven feet tall, Vic. Oh God. This thing—it looked like a gigantic wolf, or or or, or maybe uh, maybe something like a, 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 a German Shepherd, or something like that. But it, it, its ears were different; they were slim and they were high and pointed, like I said, on top, and had kind of like tufts sticking out. And you know, I've heard a lot of people describe these things, and I've I've heard them say that that you know they couldn't tell what they were. But I'm here to tell you this thing was a male. There was no doubt about that. I mean, it was right there in the open and the clear, just as plain as day, right in front of me. And I'm not going to use any kind of vulgarity or anything like that, but let me just put it this way. As I leaned over and looked out the vehicle, I mean, I could tell just exactly what it was because it was right there at the base of his belly right in front of me, and I could tell just as plain as day that it was a male. This thing is running along beside of me, and... You know, at first it, 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 it just, uh, it, it's like it's not even seeing me. It's like it's not even paying attention to me in my car. Like it, it don't even notice us or like it, it just don't even care uh, uh, about me being there in that car as it's, as it's running along. And, 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 you know, my eyes are darting back and forth, like I said, from the road to this thing as I'm, I'm trying to drive around this curve and, and man, I wanted to hit the gas and I wanted, I wanted to just floor it and I wanted to get out of there. But I didn't dare do it because I was afraid I would run out of the road and run into the ditch and, and, and I would wreck. And there I'd be with this thing. And I mean, I'd just be right there at its mercy. But yet I wanted to because I I could tell, I mean, this thing had, had arms. If it, if if it hadn't had them, if it didn't have them bent and wasn't pumping them as it ran, this thing's arms would have hung down below its heart. Vic and, and, and I know that if it wanted to, this thing could have reached right in my car window and right over to the driver's side from the passenger side. And this thing could have grabbed me and it could have drugged me right out of the car. If it wanted to, it could have just ripped my head off or it could have leaned, it could have leaned in in my car window and it could have bit my head off. I don't know. I know it could have and I wanted to get out of there, but I didn't dare because I was in this steep curve and I knew. That if I hit the gas, this car probably wasn't going to be able to handle a curve and it was going to run off in the ditch and I was going to wreck and I was going to be there alone with this thing and I was going to be at its mercy. And oh, like I said, I, I mean, I got a, I got a good look at it. I got a, a real good look at, at, at what this thing looked, looked like. And and it was just as jet back black as it could be. It had, it had hire. Uh, or fur over most of its body, maybe about three or four inches long, thick fur, and it was glossy it it had a sheen on it, it was reflecting the light from that full moon and uh I mean it was just thick all over its body, except for uh it kind of thinned out uh down on its belly uh kind of uh, uh you know up above its uh up above its legs, but other than that, it was just just thick, thick hair. Maybe about, uh, three, three, four inches long and, 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 uh, up around its head, the back of its head and kind of like down over, I don't know what to call it other than shoulders, down over its shoulders. It was maybe about five, six inches long. It's just a little bit longer. I've heard people describe it kind of as a, like a, the mane of a line, but uh, it wasn't that long. It wasn't that much difference in the length of the, of the hair, but you could tell that it was just a little bit longer and, this thing, like I said, it had a, had a long snout on it, like a like a German Shepherd or like a wolf. And I could see as as it was running along beside me, I could see its its mouth was kind of relaxed and open, and I could see that it had like you know jagged shaped teeth, like a, like a dog's got on the side of its mouth. But it had fangs that were about maybe four inches long that were hanging down over its. Bottom lip and the bottom ones were disappearing up into the top lip. But its mouth was kind of parted and, and it kind of had its tongue hanging out on the left side of its mouth. Just like a dog does as it runs along, as, it, as it's painting. And uh, like I said, this thing wasn't paying a bit more attention to me than if I wasn't even there. And for a little while it just ran along beside me and just didn't pay me any attention. But that didn't last. Just slowly, seemed like just seemed like it took forever. But just slowly, it started to turn its head, and it and it looked at me. And you know, I, I I I know that you said that you shouldn't, and I've heard other people say that you shouldn't. But I couldn't help it. I looked full in its eyes. I wish that I hadn't. I wish I'd never seen it. I wish I could erase the picture of what I saw from my mind, but I can't. And you know, I've heard people say that they had. Amber or yellow eyes, or or red or orange like eyes, but that's not what I saw that night. This thing had great big black eyes, and I couldn't see any kind of pupil. I couldn't see any kind of white or anything like that. But uh, all I could see was black, and, and and they just looked as black to me as a bottomless pit. They, and they just seemed soulless to me. And 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 I, I tell you, Vic, I just I just had a sense of. Uh, of evil that came over me and and this thing when it looked at me it was like it was like that it could look through me and look to my very soul and 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 like i said i just felt like i had been touched by evil i don't know how else to explain it and there was such a fear and and i i I wanted to, to 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 scream or to holla holla out or do something but it just seemed like my mouth just dried up like cotton and there wasn't a sound that would come out. And I wanted to get out of there. I wanted to get away from this thing, but I couldn't because I was afraid I was going to wreck. And then it, it, it came closer to my vehicle, Vic, and it leaned down. It leaned in, and, and and mind you, this thing is running beside my car the whole time. And it, it leaned over, Vic, and it stuck its head in my window, and and it grabbed hold of my door with its right hand, and and that, I don't know how to describe it. It's other than that, it it was a hand, and and I, I know that people have described this thing as I talked to said that they 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 kind of look like raccoon hands, and and maybe in a way that's right or. Uh, or maybe a a, a mix between the, the hand of a raccoon and uh, and maybe the hand of a monkey, something like that. But this thing had huge hands, and it had it had long long black nails, maybe about three inches long, two or three inches long, on the ends of its of its nails, long black thick nails. And this thing put its right hand on my door, and I and I could hear it. it It put its left hand on, on my doorknob and it was jerking at my door and it was jiggling my door handle. But thank goodness when I had been at my wife's house, then my girlfriend, and I'd been at her parents' house, I'd locked the car. And when I came back out, I didn't unlock that door because nobody was going to be riding with me at that point uh, before I went to get my, went back to get my mother. And uh, so it wasn't able to get my door open. But this thing was leaning in my window, and it was looking right at me. And it, it, it I mean, it, it, it seemed like that it, it, it curled its, it, it, it curled its lips back. And and, and I, I know it's smiled at me, but I don't really remember hearing it. All I could hear was the sound of my engine and the sound of its toenails as it ran along beside my vehicle going clack, 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 clack on, on the pavement. And. This, I mean, I could it it breathed on me, and it was hot breath, and it's it it was it was uh, you know how people describe that breath as being kind of fetid, and seemed like I could smell blood and, and 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 maybe decaying flesh as it breathed on me. It was horrible, and oh, I thought I was dead. I thought this was the end of me. I thought I was a goner. I thought I was a dead man for sure. At just about that time. The curve ended, and 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 I came into it straight away. And I just hit the gas and and pushed it to the floor. And I took out of there, I took my eyes off of it, and I looked ahead. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw it's it's it nails just. I saw it lose a grip on my car door, and I saw it smells r- uh, uh, rake across the top of my door. And its head disappeared from my window. And I don't know, I had to be going 70 or 80 miles an hour, I don't know, for a time there. I mean, I, I, I just I just had to peel out of there and get away from this thing. And as I drove away from it, as I pulled away from it, I looked in my rearview mirror, and I could see it getting smaller and smaller as it began to slow down. And the last thing I remember, the last thing that I saw, this thing veered off to the right again and jumped over the fence and disappeared into that field. And I'm telling you, Vic, I I was so, I've never been so scared in all of my life. I mean, it was just absolutely horrifying. And I I went on and and drove on. And this this happened maybe about two miles from my house where I live now. and, and, And maybe it wasn't, it couldn't have been over a mile, mile and a half from my grandparents' house. And I went on there and I picked my mom up, but I never told her a thing about what happened. And I never told my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time. Like I said, I never told her, and I've never told her in the 35 years since this has happened. I never told any of my friends. I didn't tell my dad. I've never told any of my children. I've never told anybody until I filed a report with you the other day. And you called me. I've never talked to anybody about this and told them about what happened. I tell you, it was the most horrifying experience of my life. And my dad, he asked me the next day where the scratches came from on my vehicle. And I told him that I'd, I'd run out of the road and i run into a thorn bush, and that's where the scratches came from. And I tell you, Vic, I loved that car. I mean, it, I loved it, but I could not keep that car thinking about what happened. And, and what I went through that night, I just couldn't keep it. I had to get rid of it. And I traded that car for a 74 Nova. A- and I got rid of it, and and you know, I, I, as time went on, I, I mean, I couldn't sleep. I didn't sleep for di- for nights after this. Uh, if I would drift off to sleep, I'd wake up having nightmares, seeing this thing happen over and over again, and, and I couldn't keep it out of my mind when I'd lay in my bed, and I'd think about it, and and, and just go over and over and over what happened in my mind, and and you know, that night I I, I didn't know what I'd seen. I really didn't understand what it was. You know, I'd read about and heard about werewolves and things like that, but I really didn't connect this thing with that. And you asked me, uh, you mentioned, maybe in the pre-interview, you mentioned about horror movies, and I can tell you right now, I don't watch horror movies. I hear people talk about saying it looked like uh, this werewolf in this movie or that movie, but I've never seen them. The only werewolf movies that I ever saw were the old Lon Chaney movies. When I was a kid, that's that's the only ones I've ever watched. Anything that come out after 1981, I can tell you right now, I've not seen it because I won't watch them. My wife, when my kids were little, my sisters would come up, and they loved horror movies, and my wife loves horror movies, and so did my children. And my wife, you know, they'd go, and and back then we had VCRs, and we rented movies, and they'd go out and they'd rent horror movies. And I'd go to bed or I'd go off in another room. I I could not watch them. And I can't watch them to this day. I told you this caused uh, just extreme bad behavior in me. I mean, I, I engaged in things. I'm not going into details what they were. I hate that I did them. But I did things that I know now was trying to deal with this. But, you know, I put it out of my mind. And I suppressed it for all those years. But yet there was something that bothered me. And, you know, I live, my house is only about 40 or 50 yards from the woods. I've got woods in behind my house. I've got woods on the right side of my house. I've got woods on the left side of my house. And I've always had an anxiety about living so close to the woods. And I know now that that's why that is. And when I go out in my backyard, I just can't stay out there because I feel like that there's something out there that there's something lurking in the woods that's looking at me and that's watching me, and I just can't stand it, and I have to go back in the house. You know, I used to want to hunt, but in 35 years after this thing has happened to me, since I saw this thing that I now know, I couldn't explain it then. I thought maybe it might be a demon. I thought maybe I was having a waking nightmare, or maybe it was just my imagination. I just didn't have any explanation for it. And I now know that that thing was a dog, man. I didn't know about them then, and I didn't understand. But now I know that that's what that thing was. And I tell you, Vic, like I said, I I used to want to hunt, but I can't do it. In the past 35 years, I have not hunted one time. I own guns. I love guns. But the only thing that I do is target shoot with them. I don't take them into the woods because... I just can't do it. I mean, I've tried to go a couple of times, but I just couldn't stand it. I just had to leave because there's something out there and I know it's out there. And you know, like I said, I put this thing out of my mind and I, and I really wasn't thinking about what it was. I know what it is now because when I heard the description of a dog man on dog man encounters, this all came flooding back to me and I know what it is now. And I tell you, Vic, I know that these things are real. I know that night it wasn't a demon. It wasn't my imagination. It wasn't some kind of waking dream. I know that I saw a real, living, breathing animal. And I tell you, I, I believe these things are dangerous. I mean, I hear about these people that that want to have an encounter and go out and hunt for them or hunt for Bigfoot. You know, there was a time I thought maybe I might like to do something like that. But I tell you right now, I think they're crazy. These things are nothing to fool with, and I don't think anybody ought to go out there looking to meet up with one of these things. You may meet up with it for real, and you may wish like I wish that you had never seen the thing. And I tell you, I've I've heard you say that you shouldn't ever look these things in the eye, but I did that night. I, I looked this thing full into the eye, and it felt like it was looking into my very soul. I felt like it knew everything about me, and when it looked at me that night, there's something else that I forgot to mention a, a while ago. When it stuck its head in my open window and looked at me and curled its lips back, I mean, like I said, it was like it was giving me a, a, a seditious grin, and it licked its chops. You know, you've seen, you've seen a wolf or a dog do that. It licked its chops at me, Vic, like it was telling me, I know that you're lunch. There's not a thing that you can do to stop me if I want to hurt you. And you look awful delicious to me. That, I mean, that's that's how I felt. That's what it looked like to me, that it was conveying to me that night. And I tell you, I was scared to death. I was horrified. I never, ever, ever experienced anything in my life that scared me so bad as that did that night. Oh, it was awful. And, and basically, that's what happened to me, Vic.
0: If you've had a dogman Encounter of your own and would like to speak with me whether in private or on the show, please go to dogmanencounters.com and submit a report. I'd love to hear from you.